Welcome to the Highlander Rewatch Podcast, where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Amen. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy We're back. New happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What a happy new year it is, too. The roof and or is trapped in a box? I'm trapped in this box. Oh, no. 2021. The Zoom box. (laughs) You ever see that movie, The Cube? I'm like that. Oh, is that with uh, Jennifer Lopez? Uh, I don't know. I think it's with Ice Cube. (laughs) Okay. That that would be appropriate casting. He's not in it. Okay. But they're in like a science fiction like torture cube. Yeah. Right. And they have to like solve different puzzles to try yeah. to get out. Or do they? Mm. Yeah. And it like chops them up. Anyway. Yeah. Happy New Year. Cube. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so I hope everybody out there had a, uh, a good New Year's. Uh, mm. I don't know. We can go around the, the horn here. Uh, and how was everybody's holiday season and stuff? Uh, Eamon, do you want to start? Yeah, yeah, sure. To, to, tell us too much, but oh yeah. Uh, well, all the most intimate details, all I your will. struggles, all your dreams. What did you eat on every day? Yeah. So on Monday, <laughs> I ate a egg. A egg. A, a single one egg. One egg. Single That's egg. Very I, restrained. I ate thirty-four strands of spaghetti. <laughs> okay. Um, with some spaghetti sauce. I'm now very curious how many strands constitute a regular serving of spaghetti. I can't tell I was, 34 sounds like a lot or a little. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like when <laughs> I when I take that handful of spaghetti and snap it and put it in the put it in the boiling water. You've just many, doubled you've doubled your strands, man. You double, have double strands. strands. So when Holy you counted shit. this, were you counting half strands or full strands? I'm gonna I'm gonna blow my brains out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my so mind has just been blown. Uh me and, me and Megan went to her sister's beach house, just the two of us for Christmas, and uh, it was very nice. Um, very relaxing. Uh, and yeah, that was great. Great. Um, awesome. New Year's sucked. <laughs> I was telling Keith before we recorded, I just became very depressed because of this horrible year. Uh, and my poor girlfriend had to watch me like stew. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, all things considered, things could be worse. So uh, Always could be. Yeah. Mm, uh, nothing beats a good stew though. Kyle, you have any stew yeah. over the break? You know, uh it was a stewless break for me, which mm. is probably uh indicative of what a crummy break it was. I don't know. Holidays were weird. We did what we, we did what we could, but my wife was working on Christmas and Christmas Eve, and then it's like you can do anything on New Year's Eve. So I'm pretty sure I ended up uh passing out watching the movie Cats after Ooh. housing a bottle of wine <laughs> so, how'd you enjoy wow. that uh that romp oh god what was anybody thinking like <laughs> i mean though it's hard for i have a hard time disentangling just how shitty the movie is from how bad the underlying source material is because it's because you hate cats <laughs> the yeah, underlying the source material of those animals <laughs> yeah just like the the play which i also had seen for the first time fairly recently like in the last couple years it mm. came to Philly and I had ended up seeing it I was just utterly baffled at the time by it and then the movie of course didn't fix any of those problems but introduced a whole host of other like weirdness with like the scale of everything like makes you feel like you're in a fun house the whole time I could talk for hours about how fucked this cat's movie is <laughs> sufficient to say I passed out on New Year's Eve watching it that's good. Ian McKellen drinks milk with his, out of a bowl with his tongue. 
I lost it. I saw that movie in the theater, and when that scene happened, I just started laughing uncontrollably because it was so insane. But I was trying to hold in my laughter for the whole movie because there were these like old women sitting in front of me who were watching the movie earnestly, and I didn't want to like ruin their film going experience. Yep. But I just I lost it when Ian McKellen has his face in a bowl of milk and it's like that and is licking it. I'm like, this is like fucking legendary actor Ian McKellen. Yep. Yeah. And he's just licking like milk out of a bowl with yeah. his the, man, the, the the man you what you saw was not the man Ian McKellen. It was asparagus the theater cat Amy. Yeah, that's that's true. And that's a decision Gus would make. That's right. <laughs> I'm Scooble Dupes the Grungle Cat. I had a similar experience seeing the the when we saw the show. There was this these two people in front of us. I I want to say it was a a woman and her adult son, and they Hmm. were dancing and clapping the whole time during this thing. And I was just like, oh no, like. (laughs) Like when somebody comes up and says, "My name is Rumple Teaser," I'm like trying not to die. Wet. Rumple Teaser is he? The, <laughs> they're like the train cat. No, Rumple Teaser and Mungo Jerry are like the troublemaking cats. Mungo Jerry. <laughs> yep. Which apparently is the 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 source of the the band of the same name. Oh wow! Uh, was named after this cat, but. Mungo Jerry, yeah, T.S. Eliot. That's uh, 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 I know it's based off a T.S. Eliot poem. Yeah. yeah. Did people name their cats things like that back then? Like, are they just like I can't figure the names out at all. I don't know. Jenny Any Dots. No, I don't think anyone has ever named a cat that ever. Yeah. The history of cats. Ooh. <laughs> the history of cats. This has is going to become a cat named Rum Tum Tugger. Like, are Ooh. you kidding me? <laughs> the other part is where uh uh james corden uh pours like wine into yes. his mouth yep like, while he's upside down that's nuts i honestly thought james corden had the best performance of the whole thing probably he's wow. working harder than anybody else and nobody is like nobody else is even fucking trying that in uh, like the two minutes they actually let Jennifer Hudson sing. Yeah. <laughs> that Idris was Elba, actually... though. Huh? Naked Idris Elba cat. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Yep. Those bodysuits. Also, at what... <sighs> All right. The podcast where each and every week we talk about another <laughs> facet of the Highlander universe. Yeah. Right. All right. I'll just say... The last <laughs> thing I will say is that Dame Judi Dench wears a fur coat of a cat. And if you think about that too hard, your brain will break. It's like... Yeah. Is this some kind of cannibalistic ritual where she wears the skin of her fallen foes? I don't know, but it's like if I was wearing an Amon suit, <laughs> like it's Ooh. not good. Anyway, Keith, your holidays. Hey. How uh, was it? They were fine. Uh, you know, having a, a Zoom holiday was actually pretty nice. Uh, it was like pretty low key, got to talk a lot. Uh, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, it was nice. Um, yeah, I mean, New Year's was normally I travel to Pittsburgh for New Year's. Uh, couldn't do that this year, but. Did some zooming with some friends and that was good. Uh, but in general, it's been a depressing shit show. So that's been fun. <laughs> fun. Very fun. Uh, but, but we should we one so yes. much better already. That's right. Uh, 
And yeah, to kick off uh, our podcast with like a depressing thing, uh, we, we should acknowledge uh, after, I don't know, all this nonsense we've been talking about. Um, uh, yesterday, when this podcast comes out, it'll be Tuesday. Uh, but yesterday is the anniversary of uh, our good friend Stan Kirsch's death. Uh, so we just want to acknowledge that. And it's a real bummer, uh, obviously. And it's very sad. And we miss him a lot. Um, and everything he contributed to the series we love so much. Uh, so we're thinking about, uh, you know, him and his family at this time and everybody out there who, you know, uh, had kind of a fan relationship with Stan uh, and it's important. So yep. just wanted to, to acknowledge that. Light a candle or have a drink or just do some reflecting. Yeah, it's all good things. Of those who you love and tell them you love them. There you go. Very good. Well, so now to launch into, uh, so we're going to be doing a season uh, six wrap up. Uh, so this will be fun. So what we're going to do is this might be a little different than what we normally do, where we normally go like episode by episode in order and talk about what we thought of them, our ratings. Do we, you know, have different opinions, favorite moments, worst moments, all that sort of stuff. Uh, because season six is such kind of a hodgepodge of stuff we have divided them into three different categories. And so the first category is kind of going to be miscellaneous filler episodes that are just kind of one-off things that don't really have anything to do with any sort of overarching narrative uh, of the season um, or really contribute that much to like character development at all. Um, and then the second category is going to be the pilot episodes. And we're going to talk about those in order and what we thought of, you know, each pilot, compare them to each other, all that sort of stuff. And then finally, we're going to talk about the like the plot episodes, which really aren't that many. There's what, four of them uh, for for they, our purposes. They begin it and they end it. I that's guess. right. They begin it and they end it. There's, there's not much else. Um, so that's going to be how we talk about it. And uh, while we talk about, we're going to be going over our uh, our season ratings or episode ratings, and we're also going to be reading reader mail uh, that as they pertain to each episode. And some are kind of miscellaneous, so we'll just talk about them uh, as we go along. So I hope that'll be fun. Uh, since it'll probably be a little bit a little bit of a longer episode, we're not going to do a game or a catalog thing or anything like that. Uh, we'll save that for another time. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. So should we jump into it, guys? Let's do Let's, it. Okay. So the first episode we're going to talk about is Diplomatic Immunity. And this was the fourth episode of the season. Uh, and the IMDb description reads, Duncan is torn when the wife of one friend is killed by another friend. Uh, and this is, it says, Ho happens to be the son of a foreign diplomat and beyond the reach of law. Uh, that is not, Ho is the correct IMDb description on this. Does not say who happens to be. It is Ho happens to be. Uh so we've got uh, one reader mail for this one. Uh, so uh, who wants to read this one? This is kind of a miscellaneous uh, reader mail before we talk about it, but we figured this would be a good way to, to you know, uh, divide up the, the episode in our discussion to talk about these reader mails. So hmm. I can I read can it. Re I'll start. Yeah, it's yeah, in front of me. Well, whatever. All right. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking a while. Kyle, why don't you start? Sure. All right. This is uh, from friend of the show, Robin P. She uh, jumps in to say, I just want to let you know, I enjoyed the recent bonus episode and we're checking out the songs from the playlist. Oh, our music episode. Yes. Especially for the 90s. I never... Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, never found the gay confusion humor of Frasier to be problematic. <laughs> the jokes are usually focused on the cranes being idiots as opposed to laughing at someone for being gay. I've always thought it's because every man in front of uh, the camera, but Kelsey Grammer is gay, along with a lot of the people behind the camera. 
more on this, I recommend uh, a podcast, not unlike yours, where instead of Highlander, they discuss the day the gay episodes of classic sitcoms. That sounds like a good really interesting. Yeah. The first one uh, is about one of the best episodes of Frasier. It's worth a listen, or at least skimming the transcript. Uh, and the name of that podcast is called The Gayest Episode Ever. So everyone check that out ep- if you're interested in gay representation in uh, you know sitcoms and media. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, now, the humor about Niall's stalker behavior toward Daphne, that staged pretty poorly to me. It only gets a pass because of the excellent writing of writing and performance but it can be cringy uh also i'm glad Cringe. to hear someone else is enjoying sweet crude which was a recommendation that was made to us uh during the music episodes by a listener i believe robin herself yeah so thank nice. you robin for this email um yeah. we don't have the clip you provided a clip for another piece of music we don't have that queued up i'm sorry right now uh but we I really appreciate to her Okay. Well, <laughs> no, this has been fun. I uh, I have just uh, I'm almost done. I think season nine of Frasier in my quarantine Ooh. like binge watching. What? Yeah. What? Yep. You're closing like in on the end. Episodes. Yeah. We just I just passed the uh, the two hundredth episode. It's uh, momentous. God, man. <laughs> no, but actually, uh, Robin, really, thank you for this email. Uh, like, it definitely recontextualized the way I thought about some of the jokes. And I don't think I considered some of the jokes I still am not a fan of. Uh, the way maybe certain characters react to someone's homosexuality is meh, not too cool. But the knowledge that, like, for instance, like the character Bulldog, uh, Bulldog. that's right, plays like this insane machismo dude uh, that's like way over the top, but the actor is gay. And so like his entire character is feels interpreted very differently now uh, when I watch it through that lens. Uh, so I appreciate this email and uh, no, it's really great. And it's a, I don't know, it's a fun show and watching Kelsey Grammer be a moron is pretty great, so. Yeah, I love Daphne, Daphne, <laughs> Niles. That's right, money plane, baby. Money plane, <laughs> Bring, beat the money plane. <laughs> Which I believe is still available for free on YouTube. People should watch it really only for Kelsey Grammer. He, mm. he provides most of the best parts of that movie. Fantastic. Mm. All right. So we're talking about, we're, we're already not talking about Highlander still. <laughs> which I is wonder fantastic. why that could be. Yeah. All right. So diplomatic immunity. Again, Duncan is torn when his wife of one friend is killed by another friend who happens to be the son of a foreign diplomat and beyond the reach of law. What did we think of this episode? This episode... I believe we thought stunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we can go back and uh, I gave this episode a two. Kyle, you gave it a two. And Eamon, you gave it a 2.5. Why? What was I thinking? I don't know. Uh, Um, I I will say that there is only one kernel of like plot in this like overarching plot, which is Duncan takes his sword out in mm-hmm. this episode. That's that's what I wanted to clarify, whether it was this one or the one before that is the one where he finally starts sword fighting again. Duncan thinks about it, I think, in a previous episode, but this is the one where he takes it out. And it's just a, it's a very strange move. Like this is the thing that made you want to like violently behead someone. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah, good. Uh, I was just going to say, and this one's like a season oneer. Yep. This is like, like who are these characters? We don't care about this. We don't want to see these characters. Like yeah, we're kind of beyond this. Like one-off weird. Like it, it's weird. I, yeah. I don't know. And when we did the episode, like we didn't say diplomatic immunity enough. Like in Lethal Weapon Two. <laughs> diplomatic immunity has just been revoked. 
I think also to your point about email about that. <laughs> <laughs> to your point of it being like a season one episode, I think it's also like a season one, like moral question, like, or at least season two, like, I think they've kind of handled stuff like this before in some way, like that, like, hey, like the rule of law can't touch this person, but Duncan can or or just whatever, like, we, we get it. We've seen this before. I don't, this didn't really bring anything new to the table. Uh, yeah, nope. I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, the having now seen the entire season and thinking about kind of thematically the areas where it falls flat and what the arc of this season should be in some ways, like at least in terms of season wide cohesion, this is the part where it all falls apart. Him picking up that sword and like resuming his violent life here this early is like the beginning well, it's, not the, it's the beginning and the end of any <laughs> thematic cohesion for right. this entire season. And a lot of the issues we raised, even up through the finale of the series, like the weakness is traced back to this fucking episode. Yeah. This throwaway garbage episode <laughs> where they decide that Duncan has to like, has to fight a con man. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I don't know. It's not. I know what. I'm sorry. It's just not worth it. And also, at the end of this episode, he does not kill his like friend, does he? I don't think so. No. So, so he doesn't no. need the sword. True mm. enough. He just needs to beat him. Right. Like that. That really is all that happens. So, like you know, like even the story doesn't require him to have the sword at the end. So I don't know. Uh, it's an arbitrary decision because they want to have a sword fight uh, instead of yeah. like a baton fight or mm -hmm. a discussion or whatever. Anyway. Wow, so that's uh, that's the first one there. Uh, shall we move on? Might Let's as well. All right, the next episode we're going to talk about is episode six, Black Tower. Duncan's Black date is kidnapped Tower. to lure him into a deadly game. He must rescue her before any uh, before any of Immortal Merrick's hired killers can find and kill him. Uh, Eamon or Kyle, do you want to read uh, the, the email associated with this? Uh, it's email number three titled, Die Hard, The Quickening. I will read it. All right. So this is from... Brian S. Brian's. <laughs> Too many Brian's. Too many Brian's. Dear Tower Heist brethren, it's good to have you guys back into the swing of things. Dark Tower was a bit lackluster. Dark Tower. Sure. Isn't sure. it called Dark Black Tower, Tower, Black Tower? It's all the same. <laughs> same thing. I, it's uh, all, I'm beginning to think this episode might be unmemorable. <laughs> yeah. With the plot and villain motivation. This episode threw in the plots to Virtuosity, Die Hard, Hard Target, and A Dash of Goldeneye. All good movies. Maybe not Virtuosity. <laughs> giving us a badly played out dramedy. 3 a.m. Sushi. Only Sushi Mac was about to serve was his famous Highland Spring Roll. Ugh, that's also not sushi, though. Yeah, that is not sushi. That Unless is... it's called, like, the Highland Spring roll like okay. that's one yeah. clause not like the highland spring roll fred clause oh yeah paul giamatti baby hey in the end how could duncan not be tied to the events at the black tower good thing the quickening and dice the lice <laughs> helped wiped all evidence of duncan magnifying the competition <laughs> yippee kaye there can only be one ciao brian thank you brian wow good evening dice Oh, oh he leveled up like crazy. Ugh, the schematics Ugh. are going off the bloopy blarp. <laughs> and meet, 
meat space. That's right. We meet in meat space, guys. Yeah, meat space. I didn't know baby. we were playing for keeps in meat space, man. Wow. Uh, so to remind us of our scores, uh, episode six, Black Tower, I gave this a one. Uh, Kyle, you gave it a 1.5. And Eamon, Ooh. you gave it a two. And you said, I like this episode. Address, address <laughs> your crimes. Meat space. Mm. Oh, boy. Oh. Um, I was Amen, doing that for yourself. like three minutes. All right. So the only reason this episode gives me the warm fuzzies is... Um, I like the action, like this person mentioned. I like the the Brian's mentioned. I like the bad, the bad movie, bad action movie premise. Sure. And that, for some reason, that like makes me want to like it more than it actually deserves. Like I like the potential it has. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't meet the potential. But I have this weird thing where if like I'm inclined to like a movie, I like give it a little bit of a pass. Like Johnny Mnemonic is objectively a terrible movie. <laughs> But like yes. <laughs> in my head, I like it. Sure. But it's like, no, this is bad. Like, and I've tried to watch it like lots of times. And be like, maybe it'll be good this time. <laughs> it it never is. No, um, Henry Rollins doesn't win you over. Oh, he's so bad in that movie. <laughs> so is Dolph Lundgren. I read oh, an God, interview. Worse. With a, yeah, he's awful in that movie. I read an interview with the writer and director of that movie who said he was a real piece of shit on set. Also, so <laughs> oh no, wow. that's fun um but i got i digress yeah so, this episode I, sucks the, the entire premise of that movie is that keanu reeves needs to have a chip in his brain to smuggle data that uses his brain as like storage space yep and it's only for 300 gigs of data mm-hmm. <laughs> like he needs a brain it's like stored in his brain and like threatens to give him a stroke that it's so large and it's 300 gigs of data at one point, he shouts, I want room service! <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, and and have random bits of anime in there just because anime's cool. Right. And it's anime from the director of Highlander. Um, the Search for Vengeance. Search for Vengeance. Mm. That's right. Yoshiaki Kawajiri. So. There you go. It. It's all tied together. But that's my lame defense of my high rating for high rating high rating right it's a still a two no it's okay i mean i have episodes like that where like i get that it's maybe not the best episode but i have a soft spot for it for whatever reason and there's certainly some fun elements of this uh i think we just also felt like it was kind of like bad day and building a again it, it was but, with, but with like computers so yeah but with computers but it made no sense <laughs> right like right honestly that's the thing that like you know, I could give this more of a pass if they had just thought about it for two seconds is the problem. Like, none of this was thought about at all. So nothing that's nope. said makes sense. Like, there's just blatantly incoherent lines left and right. And I remember the villain is very, uh, like, unsympathetic, too. Like, right? Don't we meet him, like, in the forest murder? Like, he's, does yep. he hunt somebody down? He's hunting someone for yeah. sport. Yeah, no good. Bad. Yeah, but Bad. our our good buddy directed this episode. That's right. So, that's Richard Martin. We're talking. Yes, about. I'm sorry, Richard, Richard Martin. Martin. Very good. Yeah, no, uh, and I think Richard made the most of what he could. Obviously, like the budget on season six is very different uh, than season four or five. So, right. you know, what? And I I think he does some good stuff. Yeah, like, he, he's like he's like Clay Boris in a way where he, they they do get a lot out of little um, yeah which is just a testament to their talents as a director totally but all right not so, a good episode right all right next episode we're going to talk about is episode seven unusual suspects 
when immortal Hugh Fitzcarran is murdered, he challenges Duncan to identify his killer while he gets in the way. And so, Kyle, do you want to read the uh, the reader mail associated with this? This is email number four. Email number four. Yes, gladly. So, subject, the game is afoot from Brian. Oh, Brian's again. Greetings to the constabulary. I guess that's us. We're cops now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a great and refreshing episode. Adrian and Roger seemed to have great comedic timing. It was an obvious send-up of Clue. Only thing it was missing was Hugh being killed by the Colonel Mustard uh, by Spider's Venom in the drawing room. Duncan obviously is no Sherlock Holmes or Hercule Poirot, for that matter, Ooh. trying to solve the mystery. Good, good Poirot reference. I don't yeah. feel like uh, I don't feel like people Poirot is enough in the, the lexicon. Yeah. And we, didn't, we didn't really talk about that when we talked about the episode, uh, that that no, seems to be like strolling from that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very much what it is. And I played a round of, I don't know, people have the describe this game by many different names, but it's like a thing where, you know, you put a bunch of names into a hat and then in the first round you can say anything and the second round you can say one word and then the third round you have to do charades. Everybody fell down on Poirot as like mm. a a thing like a bunch of people were like who the fuck is this and i was mm. like is this character like not well known they just remade murder at the orient express for like the 10th time right that's weird I don't know. anyway enough about poirot <laughs> uh anyone think, anyone think that butler slash manservant was actually fitz's watcher it would be the perfect cover he would never think twice about a guy following him taking notes under the guise of ministering to his needs just a thought Indubitably Ooh. a fan, Brian. I like Indubitably. that. Yeah. I, I like all the little, just like, I don't know, a lot of it's self-guided fun, but like putting, inserting an Easter egg, like, oh, I wonder if that's the Watcher. I wonder if- Right. And we always tend to think it's kind of fun when the Watcher Chronicle itself plays with concepts like that. Yeah, and oftentimes, right. I mean, we'll read some Watcher Chronicles on the show. Oftentimes we don't necessarily show like who the Watcher is for each of these people. Uh, a lot of times it is people like, oh, it's the butler or it's a cop in a scene or whoever it's gonna be. Like it's some ancillary like extra sometimes. Uh, and it's usually in the Watcher Chronicles, a very blurry zoomed in picture of like, hey, this is the Watcher. But it's fun to that they've like made sure to keep some continuity. Like, oh, there's always a Watcher somewhere. That's how we know yeah. all this stuff happened. My Watcher. All right, let's talk about this episode. Uh, I'll start. I love this episode. This might be the best episode of season six. Uh, it's so much fun. It's written by a friend of the show, Maury Ravinsky. Uh, I think the writing is great. The humor in it's great. Hugh's great. Uh, Roger Daltrey. Uh, everything about this episode, I think, is a winner. Uh, so Yeah, well, I not to jump ahead, but based on the way we rated the episode at the time, uh, it is the best episode, and it's not fucking close. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like right. it's not it's not it's nowhere close this is the best episode of the season yeah yeah it is a good episode i mean as we said i like the the poirot agatha christie like drawing room mystery yeah. style uh setup um and you know hugh and hugh and duncan are always good to see like i think they should have maybe took more advantage of that dynamic i mean there's a lot of hugh and duncan episodes but uh, maybe killing him off so early wasn't a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> they honestly, they managed to do a lot of good stuff with it, and I guess like yeah. they kill him in season like halfway through season three. Yeah, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like they punch his card super early. That's uh, true. And it's, and uh, I feel like a number of beloved, most beloved episodes involving him happen after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, I don't know. And he comes back of, in this very season. Yeah. True. Like, I don't know how big of a loss in terms of like a re- loss of a resource it is. Because yeah. I don't know. I think they, they did something pretty smart with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, true. I give this episode a five, by the way. Yes, like, which is crazy. Like, it's also this episode doesn't have like a moral question, and it mm-hmm. doesn't have uh, like a sword fight or anything. Uh, but still got a five for me, which I don't know if compared to other five episodes. Uh, like, I don't know if it's just because this stands out so much in this sea of kind of wishy washy season six nonsense that I rated it so theory. high. Uh, but I still think it's but really you were good. Down. <laughs> Oh no, Eamon's still in the Zoom box. <laughs> I like Hugh in a um, in a knight's suit of armor. That's, That's good. Very, That's very funny. Yeah, and That's it doesn't. Eamon. You actually make had any the sense. lowest rating on this. You only gave this a three point five. I gave it a four. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't really. I think maybe this season just had me in a general uh, bad mood. And sure. I, that a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. I think I think I kind of skewed negative on on all the episodes, um, just because I was like so disappointed. Not to be too negative, but um, you know, we had a lot of good seasons on yeah. this show, and for it to kind of end so blah. Yeah. But totally. this episode yeah. is like a shining beacon in this season. Yeah. That's yeah, it is kind of. It's nothing against this episode, but it's such a bummer that like the best episode of season six, perhaps is like non non consequential to anything like it's not about the plot it doesn't have a more like it's none none of the other stuff that we like about highlander and uh it's just a shame that there weren't more episodes like this uh that were just like well written well acted i don't know well shot this this episode's good this episode is good mm. any final Ooh. thoughts uh, before we move on to the next one watch it maybe the only essential episode of the season yeah it's great i agree with that yeah also, you can watch this episode at any time if you want. You know, like yeah, you don't you don't need to know anything. No, you can throw this on halfway th- through season four if you want, and it'll make yeah. just as much sense as it does in season six. So, true. All right, so now the very last episode. Watch watch. What's that? Uh oh. Amen. That's right. All right. Eamon's back. There we go. Little unstable internet issues. It's okay. Unstable molecules. That's right. Uh, All right. So the last episode we're going to talk about in our kind of miscellaneous filler episode category is episode 11, Indiscretions. Uh, So how about, um, let's see. I'll read the uh, IMDb description first. Adam Pearson, a.k.a. Mythos, tries to avenge the sufferings inflicted by immortal Morgan Walker on helpless victims over several hundred years. False. (laughs) And a wildly inaccurate description. That's true. Um, how about I read the uh, the email for this one? Do it. You, All right. Must. All right. This is from Brian S. as well. Uh, it says, alas, we have come to the end of this immortal journey of a series. This was an interesting episode for Mythos and Joe. A little too late. Could have been a last-ditch effort to screen test these two for a spinoff. The Watcher and me? Thos in parentheses? That's very funny. Okay. Uh, guys, for the life of me, I could have sworn Walker said that those two slaves were stealing his Congo instead of cargo? An off-colored euphemism? Or is it just me? I think it's just you, bud. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I heard that. <laughs> wow. I, again, I don't even know what that means, but like the other version means, but it makes me uncomfortable. So yeah. 
He's talking about uh, his copies of the hit science fiction novel Congo, directed and written by Michael Michael Crichton. Crichton. Yeah, not directed, written. Uh, by yeah, Michael Crichton. I saw Congo in theaters. Did you really? I did. Did you believe there was a talking ape? I did. Amy. Amy. Amy loves Amy. you. Amy. <laughs> yeah. What up? Uh, Bruce it, Campbell's that in that movie. Oh uh, yeah. The late like Hudson? satellite lasers and. Oh yeah, there's definitely satellite lasers in that movie. That movie so, was riding like the Michael Crichton, like the, the wave Jurassic of Jurassic Park. Park. We yeah. got like what Sphere, Congo. What's that time travel movie? Oh, I don't even know what that is. Time, uh, what's I don't remember. Is Sphere? Did I say Sphere already? You did. That's okay, never mind. I said Sphere again. Well, Sphere, Sphere. Don't touch my sesame cake. <laughs> Very good. All right, so uh, All Brian right. continues seriously. What does the Watcher Academy teach? How to look suspicious and give up uh, secret info uh, about immortals and their watchers? No yes. wonder they're getting picked off left and right. Did they not see that coming? Uh, I think the epilogue would have been better played with Joe's daughter, Amy, deciding uh, she would rather be a researcher and work on the Mythos Chronicles instead. Uh, since she finds him a mystery and intriguing and wonders how he would be living his life now, if he was real or even alive, just as Adam Pearson walks in and heads towards Joe. Fade out. As always, my Highlander brethren, Brianus. Brian. Isn't that indeed what sort of happens in the Watcher Chronicle? Uh, yeah, I think in the Watcher Chronicle, it does say she's assigned to the, the Mythos Chronicle or whatever. But yeah, it's a bummer that's not in the episode. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So in this episode, we are our scores. Uh, this is indiscretions. Uh, Kyle and I both gave it a three, and Ammon, you gave it a two point five. Two point five, baby. So, so uh, I'll start also by saying I bet a lot of people are like, "Wait a minute, this isn't in the spinoff category." Burp, 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 burp. Uh, no, it's not. And I will make a firm stance that this has no business being in the the spinoff category. Maybe not no business, but like it seems like fans wanted a spinoff, but as far as production goes, they had no intention of this ever being a spinoff. That's not what USA wanted. They wanted a female led uh, like action Highlander show. Uh, this does not fit the mold. Um, although I think, and also everybody says the Joe and Meet Those show. My firm stance is it's not the Joe and Meet Those show. It's the Joe and Amy show. Uh, and I feel like that's a compelling spinoff. I actually like really don't know what the Joe and Meet Those show would even be. Like what, what's that show about? I don't know. But that's that's my hot take on uh, this situation. I'm sure a lot of fans disagree or whatever, but there we go. I don't know. What'd you guys think? Indiscretions. Well, you are very right. We are strongly in the minority here in terms of our take on this episode and part of me wonders if we are harder on this episode just because kind of expectations are so high mm -hmm. like i had not seen season six in a long long time before we got to this but the one thing i knew is that people fucking love the joe and mythos episode yep like i didn't really remember much about it other than that it existed and that yeah. people love it and just seeing it i was just like rug like it's it's not a home run to me it's like it's good i like it in the sense that i really like mythos and joe and i like the, them doing a little buddy story together sure. and like but that only goes so far like there's a much better version of this episode out there that they didn't make there's a <laughs> you know what i mean like right. this has more potential than made it onto the screen so I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes worry that the weight of expect it's like weird because season six is so bad, which like depresses our expectations. <laughs> but this episode is like got a lot of upward momentum. Right. 
it's weird to know it's it's hard to be objective about it but mm-hmm. I, I feel like our ratings accurately reflect the overall quality yeah and we had some seriously like, moral issues with this too right with the whole like i don't know mythos sleeping with the the enslaved woman right mm-hmm. yeah and then running away from her death and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's dicey man <laughs> yeah not it's, good. All, it's not a good look for him yeah no, no even lay it on us uh, so just to echo what Kyle said, um, I don't, I, I don't think I'd seen this episode in my initial childhood watch of the show, uh, cause I would just watch it on television. So there were a lot of episodes I didn't see. Um, uh, and yeah, from when we started this podcast, like, like Kyle said, like people have been bringing this episode up, like, so yeah, ex- expectations were very high and I just don't think they were met for me. Yeah. And like, I agree. Yeah, the the whole mythos plot line in this episode is really gross. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, what the f? Yeah, like, and also even Joe is kind of a little like, he's manipulative, manipulative with his daughter a little bit, and like, right? it's just weird. I don't know about this one. Yeah, yeah and he uh, maybe puts her in danger by throwing her into the shit before she's ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah it did have that stuff. hilarious part where. Uh, isn't she like looking directly at a dead body in like <laughs> the air hangar? Oh, that's the right. Air, yeah. The airplane hangar. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's like hiding up on a plane or something mm-hmm. to do it. It's really, it's really funky. Like very conspicuous. Yes. Like, you would notice that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And that's right. And like the and the villain is like a sex trafficker or something like Yes, he's still mm-hmm. a slaver. And right. it's yep. like the dumb throwaway line of like, well, things were different in my day. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. No good. This no is a good. test for for upholding cultural norms over history. Like <laughs> it's not there, slavery. There is an explosion. That explosion's cool. That's right, where they set off everything they have left and almost mm-hmm. uh, blind Peter Wingfield in the process. Yeah. So very good. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool, right? Yeah. Not okay. Good. Crenshaw. He could have been like a Crenshaw. Mm. All right. Well, moving on, we are now going to talk about the one, two, three, four, five pilot episodes. Uh, so what I think it'll be that best is to do. So many episodes. I know, right? That is so such. It's a like half the episode. season. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about them individually, uh, you know, what we thought of them, what their potential might have been. And then after we kind of do a little recap of all five, we'll discuss them all like in relation to each other, which one we thought was the best, all that sort of stuff, uh, if that's OK. We'll give a very quick rundown of uh, the characters in the episodes. OK. All Sounds right. So good. leading off the pack is episode three, Sins of the Father. Immortal well, Alex couldn't keep the Nazis from killing her Jewish love, so she aids his son in righting a wrong done to a group of murdered Jews from the Warsaw Ghetto, killing one of Duncan's friends in the process. Hmm. And, uh, we got a reader mail associated with this. Is that accurate? Mm. Uh, <laughs> Don't we find out that she is in fact not responsible for killing Duncan's friend. That's right. She is not, is she? So, yeah. Not yeah. Responsible. So it just lies to us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway. Who wants to read the uh, the email? Email number two. Uh, I can read it. All right. Do it. Oh, and this is going to be a little bit of a a, a um, miscellaneous sort of email, but mm-hmm. something we talked about around that time. So. Slotting it in here for convenience. Yes. Slotting it in from <laughs> right. Jim S. Baby Betamax stuff. 
The Betamax was my family's first VCR. We got it during my school days, and Beta was the first commercial VCR aimed at the consumer. I, I will point out right now that your Betamax was not your first VCR. Your Betamax was your first Betamax. Oh, hey. that's okay. That's right. In the Columbo episode that came out in 1976 when William Shatner was the killer, he used his Betamax to tape the baseball game. I remember this episode. He slipped his gopher a tranquilizer while they were watching the game, which he was taping. He went out and did the murder, came home and played back the tape and woke the gopher up and put him to bed. That way, he had an alibi. He showed the device to Columbo and it said it cost $3,000. <laughs> Wow. What? Commercial VCRs came out a few years later. But back to the point, while Betamaxes were first to the market and had better quality, the technology was developed by Sony and they would not license it out. So when VHS was developed by JVC, which stands for Japanese Victrola Company, uh, they had that huge sign during the Connor Duncan fight in Endgame. That's right. Spoiler. (laughs) That's right. JVC licensed the technology. So any company, uh, whether it was General Electric or Zenith or RCA or whomever could build and sell a VCR. So it was Sony against everyone else. As a result, while Beta was the best-selling version of the VCR, it could not outsell all the other companies' offerings combined. When Sony co-founder Akio Morita was in charge, he vowed to never go to VCS, VHS. VCS, when he died, Sony offered... VHS stores having to offer both beta and VHS videos was a pain. So they just went to the VHS and VCRs being the winners. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I like this uh, email. It's educational. It is is educational. educational. Who knew? I didn't know a licensing dispute, like issues were kind of the heart of the heart of the matter. Yeah. This just makes me think of the Cowboy Bebop episode. Did you guys watch the anime Cowboy Bebop? You know I have. I've only Ooh, seen a handful of episodes. I'm sorry. Okay. It's very good. Well, like, it's in the future, and they have to watch a tape. So they have to go to Earth, which is, like, ravaged by asteroids, and find a VCR. And when they get back to this ship, it ends up being a Betamax player. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and they can't play the tape. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Yeah, it's very good. Interesting. Um, but I've also cool... heard stories that VHS also became very prominent because the uh, pornography industry adopted VHS over Betamax uh, Ooh, due to its yeah. price as well, but uh, that helped to take off. How about that? The darkness. <laughs> no, All right. No. Let's talk about Sins of the Father. Do we have to? Oh, boy. <laughs> this one's not as bad. Uh, so this is, like the, this is like the OG Raven, right? Absolutely. Yeah, her name is Alex, Alex Raven. Raven. Alex Raven, yeah. Like, this is clearly the, like, I, I think this is the, the first spinoff we get. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems to be the initial mold. Like, the rest of these do, in large measure, feel like a theme and variation on this character that we, we meet for the first time here. Um, which I guess is interesting. It's like a little odd to realize you've seen this five times. Right. <laughs> I guess this was the first one. Yeah. It's... I will say also, as far as like the plot goes in this episode, so this came right before Diplomatic Immunity. Uh, Duncan looks sword. at his sword in this one and decides, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do this. Uh, yeah. 
So he doesn't want to pull out his sword for like someone who like possibly murdered his friends, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. In the next episode, like I can't figure out the difference of like, why not this episode? Why the next episode? But it's whatever. That's why you can't figure it out. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> there's no solution for you to find. Uh, yeah, it's it's odd to say mm-hmm. the least. I gave this, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kyle. Hmm? Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I like this actress, mm-hmm. I think. And I kind of do like, you know, it's very clear that they want this like kind of slightly more of an anti-hero action-oriented character here. And I think that's, you know, interesting that that's initial that from jump, that's what they were envisioning. Yeah. And she is like, she's like in leather and rides a motorcycle and all this cool stuff, right? Yeah, definitely. Bad Mamma Jamma. That's yeah. right. Uh, I give this episode a 2.5. So did you, Kyle. And Eamon, uh, you give this a three. Three. That's right. I think I was initially like, oh, maybe these will be interesting. And then uh, very swiftly <laughs> um, came to not like these spinoff episodes. Yeah. It's interesting. Oh. I, I, Oh, sorry. No, good. Uh, I was going to say, I, this is an episode I really had vivid memories of, like returning to season six. I was like, I remember watching this episode maybe a few times, like even like in rerun and stuff. Uh, and I remember thinking like, this this is going to be a good episode. And I even thought like the content of it. I was like, oh, I love the, the the notion of like returning like Jewish money, like that there was some historical element to this episode too, which made it feel it, real. It feels like a real ripe immortal plot. Right. It's uh, like. The, the historical connections, like, oh, sh- she knows, like, the actual justice and equities of these things. Right. There. Yeah, totally. Can't say that, but. Uh, uh, but I, then upon rewatch for the podcast, I remember thinking, like, this plot doesn't make any sense at all. Like, it's really crazy. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. It, it, uh, it, it left a lot to be desired. Uh, I think, again, there's good bones of something here. Uh, like you said, this is a great immortal storyline, uh, but just doesn't deliver, I think. Well, I remember they were like trying to get a list or something of the names for some reason, and like yeah, it well, it's like of the accounts and things like that that hold right. the stolen money. Yeah, right. I think we kept saying, "Why do? Where's the lawyer? Like, why isn't there a lawyer here?" And this is like an right. international. Like, this would be like on the cover of magazines and stuff, like or newspapers, like. But this is I don't know, uh, and I get it's a it's a TV show. They have to make the plot work for its constraints and keep it very limited and small. But like you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about this now. I I guess part of the reason that perhaps there are not lawyers involved, or maybe there were lawyers involved previously, is that I guess the guy who dies had agreed to return the money, right? Oh, Voluntarily, right. he was going to give back the money. So maybe like the, you know, they had resolved the dispute. Uh, but yeah, it's all very odd. <laughs> right. <laughs> very uh, good. Alex Raven. That's right. Shall we move on to the next one? Might Let's well. do it. The next spinoff is episode number five. It is patient number seven. Immortal is number five, patient number seven. That's <laughs> all I got. Who knows? All right. Immortal Kira develops hysterical amnesia. No, no, no. Uh, after she fails to prevent the murder of a judge she was hired to protect and then fell in love with. Fortunately, she runs into old friend Duncan before her would-be killers find her. Old friend Duncan. Old friend Duncan. Old friend Duncan. Um, how about I read this? Uh, Do it. This email? If and you want. All right. Uh, and this is kind of another um, miscellaneous sort of email. But again, we're peppering these throughout uh, our discussion. So uh, this is from Amber R. And it's a note from a new listener. Hello. Yes, I found Amber. your podcast. Amber. 
a lot of R's. Um, I found your podcast recently and just wanted to drop a line to say that in the crazy hellscape of 2020, you've brought me a lot of enjoyment. I've been yeah, a huge, yeah, that's great. That, I, that, that brings me a lot of joy to hear that. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I've been a huge fan of Highlander for many years and love listening to your takes on the episodes I loved and the episodes I hated. This Ooh. podcast has made me majorly regret throwing away my Highlander catalogs. I oh. hadn't even thought of them in years. Uh, my mother let me buy one thing, the season two VHS set. Ooh. Anyway, thanks for keeping me company as I drove uh, through the smoky soup that was Northern California air over the last few weeks and Ooh. look forward to the next episode. Wow. I uh, hope everybody in your family is safe and hope your home's okay, Amber. Uh, yes. And, we, and we're glad that this uh, podcast provided you some comfort and joy and all that stuff. So. Yes, thank you for letting us know. It's yeah. good to hear hear some positive news. Mm. Oh, I should mention here also, uh, because she talks about like, you know, how much this means to her. Uh, I forgot to lead off in this episode about uh, the voice memos that people sent in. Uh, we yes. got all the voice memos. Like I should have mentioned it right away. I'm sorry. Um, they're, they're, re they're really great. And as Kyle said, oh, it's great when we get emails like this. Uh, it's very touching. Uh, all the voice memos we got were really fantastic. Uh, I've been compiling them. It took me a while to compile them this week because uh, I have construction going on in the back of my house because uh, part of it is sinking into the ground to be swallowed up. Uh, so that was getting fixed. And it was so loud, like even with headphones, I could like not work. Uh, so Jesus. it was a drag. Uh, so that'll also because of the length of some of the responses, like the 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 whole montage will be a little longer. Uh, so we're not including it this week. Um, it might be included next week or as a bonus episode, uh, but it'll be coming out soon. And thank you everybody who submitted. They're really great submissions. And everyone had, aside from the questions we asked, some like kind words to say about the podcast. And yeah. that meant a lot too. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, yes, thank you folks for taking the time to do that for us. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Okay. Patient number seven. So this this one, I think we are in agreement that it has a, a, good, a good potential concept for like a series. Mm -hmm. We um, all gave this twos across the board, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> well, this is like the, is this the first time where we're like, Duncan's presence is super distracting. Maybe. Where it's like, where you have this bizarre experience of being like, because at least in the Alex Raven episode, Duncan's still the one driving the action. Mm -hmm. You follow Duncan as he interacts with, with Alex Raven. Right. Here, it's all about her. And then she bumps into Duncan and then you're like, but then what happens? Right, right. It just like pisses off. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. We do get that. The, the flashback in this is probably uh, a big highlight, uh, I think. Like the costumes are great. They have great banter. Uh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, we get to see like her strength as a character. Um, and oh, oh, there's two flashbacks as well. Like we get to see the death of her lover, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So and that's, that's, that's compelling. That's a year back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like. I think this has the most. This is the most obvious spinoff in the sense that they they actually set up this character in the way that has a built-in plot. That mm -hmm. like he's got to figure out who she is. She's putting things together. Like I don't know. There, there's infinite possibilities in terms of what you could slot into those various things. But like the the bones of it are apparent. You know. Yeah. So she's like she's getting her memories back. <laughs> there we go. So like this, in that sense, this might have been the best spinoff. And I liked Kira well enough, like the, yeah. the actress and whatnot. She seemed to do all right with the action beats and all that. Yeah. Uh, no beat I didn't like how this episode fucking opens where they uh, sexually assault a woman for no reason. 
Yep. Kill Bill style. Bad I news. If Quentin Tarantino watched watched this episode. Yeah, mm. this got like a point taken off basically just for that. Yeah, not good. Not good. And it the, didn't need this, it at all. And the scene where she's like under the freeway and there's just like a kid walking around. Oh, that's reason. right. There's like a weird homeless child. And yeah. it's so weird. Why is any of that happening? I don't but, know. <laughs> no idea. Yeah. Yeesh. Yikes. Okay. Yikes. Kira. Kira. All right, let's talk about the next spinoff, which is episode eight, Justice. Justice. The IMDb description reads, Duncan has a new fencing, oh boy. Duncan has a new fencing partner who invites him out to lunch. Shortly thereafter, Duncan foils an attempt by another immortal, Katya. Foils an attempt? Hey! That's right, fencing. Uh, Amid two different sides of the story, uh, Duncan struggles to find the truth. Um, so I'm going to read the uh, the reader mail uh, associated with this one. Um, oops, or am I? Hold on. Reader mail. Oh, there's two here. That's right. I'm going to read one of them at least. I'll read yeah. email number five. And this is from Jim S. And Jim, uh, uh, you wrote us a very long email, uh, which was really great. And it gets into all sorts of legal definitions of crimes of passion and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, but it's a little big for the podcast, but uh, we're going to read a short segment out of it, which we thought was interesting because uh, Jim shed some light on the, uh, the I guess, protagonist or the, the father, the, the newspaper man in this uh, episode. Um, so he says, I believe that Armando was based on the real life Argentinian publisher, uh, Jacobo Timmerman. He was a Soviet-born Argentine publisher, journalist, and author who is most noted for his confronting and reporting of the atrocities of the Argentine military regime's dirty war during a period of widespread repression uh, in which an estimated 30,000 political prisoners uh, were disappeared. He was persecuted, tortured, and imprisoned by the Argentine uh, Wanta. Junta? Junta. Junta. Uh, in the late 1970s and was exiled in 1979 with his wife to Israel. He was widely honored for his work as a journalist and publisher. In Israel, Timmerman wrote and published his most well-known book, Prisoner Without a Name, Cell Without a Number, a memoir of his prison experience that added to his international reputation. A longtime Zionist, he also published The Longest War, a strongly critical book about Israel's 1982 Lebanon War. Uh, Timmerman returned to Argentina in 1984 and testified to the National Commission on the Disappearance of Persons. He continued to write published books in 1987 about Chile under the uh, Augusto uh, Pinochet regime and in 1990 about Cuba under Fidel Castro. So can I believe an Argentinian newspaper publisher only a decade after the end of the Dirty War would have a bodyguard and would be very leery of mysterious strangers who suddenly appeared in his life? Yes. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. That's some context, baby. Yeah, that was really great. Uh, Cause I know we were like kind of criticizing. We're like, who, who is this guy? Like he's got a bodyguard, but he's, he just like is a newspaper dude. Like we couldn't really kind of track what, why he was so important. Dirty. Yeah, it seems dirty. Like that, yeah. he has, that he has a bodyguard makes it seem like he's into something shady. Uh, but this was great. So thank you very much, uh, Jim, for writing in about this. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, so that was really great. Justice. Well, I can Justice. read the next one. Sure. Uh, this one, this subject, Justice by Justina. Uh, greetings, my fellow archers. One of the lower caliber episodes for the final season. Nice cold opening. If I may, a crossbow would make an effective assassin weapon. Hmm. All right. I'm ready to be sold on this, but uh, given an adequate draw strength of about 200 pounds, a skilled art, which let us say, I do not think this has a draw strength of 200 pounds. 
this crossbow that she sets up in the beginning of this. Well, mm-hmm. I think because it's a crossbow, like they've got like levers and stuff to make it easy. That's why I like use a crossbow because you can easily pull it back. I mm-hmm. I seem to just remember her just kind of going like, Whoop, but maybe, maybe I just don't know enough. Maybe the cranks are that good. Crank. Cranks are good, baby. Yeah. Seems about right from where Dunk, uh, a skilled archer can hit a target with lethality at about 40 yards, especially with the right type of broad-headed bolt. Seems about right from where Duncan was standing and seeing the assassin on the rooftop. Although with that in mind, uh, when he was shot, that bolt should have slammed into him with enough force to spin him around. (laughs) I think the plot would have been served better if, if Amanda was in the spot Doug was in and Duncan was the level-headed one, Amanda would have had that, uh, that interaction with the young girl from the Colonel that almost ended tragically. This episode should have been uh, a backdoor, should have been the backdoor pilot for the Raven. Just saying. Sorry for the archery t- tutorial. Keep hitting that bullseye, gentlemen. Brian. Very good. I love uh, the send-offs Brian gives us and salutations. It's very good. Yeah, it's good. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun thing we've developed. Um, so I, this is interesting. I, we did give them some shit about the crossbow. Maybe it makes more sense than we think, though probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like guns still exist, and that's probably the way to go. Uh, the crossbows are cool. That's true. They are cool. Uh, this. Well, I'll say this about the episode. I mean, as far as like these spinoffs goes, like. This is, again, one of these episodes where I'm like, I just don't know where it goes next. What's the next episode after this? Like, the mission's accomplished. Like, what is this character's motivation? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I just don't know how you build a story around what they've what they've given this character. Uh, and this is the, as a character, I like this one the least. Yeah. Of all the spinoff characters, I, I see this character and they feel the, the least like they're going to carry a show to me. Yeah. Right. I agree. Uh, especially that haircut. Good God! Ooh. Oh boy, <laughs> and that was that was Marla Ginsburg. That's right. Saying, Listen, we need. I, that. Know, I know from haircuts. <laughs> That's right. And this this is a haircut. It was a horrible haircut. Oh boy! It was so wow. bad. Wow. Yeah. You're better off wearing a bald cap. It was so bad. Wow. Mm-hmm. He has a uh, fashion police over here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. As, as you can tell, Eamon and I are cutting edge in our fashion sense. It's true. Mm-hmm. Every every Oscars, we we do our own little red carpet. Um, oh yeah, it's basically a roast. A mm-hmm. roast. Very good. Very good. All right, let's talk about the next one. Uh, episode nine, uh, deadly exposure. Immortal bounty hunter Ra- Reagan is trying to enjoy a vacation Reagan in Cole. Reagan Cole, a par- in Paris when she witnesses the murder of a photographer who accidentally took a picture of an elusive terrorist and she needs Duncan's help to unravel the story. Uh, who wants to read this email? This is email number seven. I think this is Eamon. All oh, right, Eamon. I will read it. Email number seven, not patient number seven. That's right. That's a missed opportunity, but who am I to judge? This is from our old friend, Roy M. Roy M. Roy M. So I'm watching this episode ahead of your video on it. Ooh, don't don't go ahead. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> and a couple of things strike me as strange. I say strange because what the fuck would be a bit strong, maybe. No, what <laughs> no, the fuck fine. is fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. 
first they used the same song from forgive us our trespasses in the photo shooting scene it wasn't a great song to begin with but they went through their repertoire of dance beat songs and went eh that'll do forgot all about that photo shooting sequence i mean i remembered the mustard pants but i forgot about like the flashes and he's like yeah Yeah, good god it's incredible and he's so sexy (laughs) uh second what a skating indictment of the 90s (laughs) (laughs) apart from kachi's hairstyle they had this guy posing in clothes stolen from the griswold's european vacation wardrobe Third, I can't stand the guy Murphy. He posed for the camera trying to look like he was a badass. He didn't. But ended up coming off as a kid who spent more time in mom's basement than in school. I may have pumped my fist when he got shot. (laughs) Crap episode, two farce is better, though it still has issues. On a positive note, in all the crap that's in this world, it's good to have you guys out there doing what you're doing. Thank you all. Thank you, Roy. Yeah. So... Uh, how do we feel about this episode? Well, first I'll say, uh, myself and Eamon gave this a one. Kyle, you gave it a 1.5. So Ooh. that's rougher than I remembered even. <laughs> I remember yeah. this being bad, but who? Uh, you know, I will say that I thought that this character at least had like some more clear action and direction. Mm-hmm. Like, especially relative to the person in justice. Uh, in some ways, even more than Alex Raven. It's like, oh, she's a bounty hunter. Right. It's like, okay, boom, structure, right. already there. And then, like, she seems to have this adversarial relationship with, like, the, like, Interpol people. Like, boom, built-in antagonist. Like, right. Like, got things. Also, that guy was the grossest man. Yeah. He's eating sandwiches. And reading limericks and shit. Uh, some baffling decisions though at the heart of this episode and the entire structure of like the villain and what they're doing and what they want just none of it makes any sense right yeah i don't like this episode the 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 photo shoot thing is funny though in like a a so bad it's good kind of way it's bad is it so bad it's good it's quite bad but it it's, is, it's just it like there's just like bad. weird throwaway lines in this. Like the photographer saw him at a construction site, and like right, mm-hmm. like there's there's like it's an I, unending confusion in this episode. On no yep. planet did that man ever work on a construction site, right? No, ever, yeah. ever. Yes. <laughs> and then the villain of the episode was uh, like Cogsworth or whatever from like Willy Wonka. Like mm-hmm. what? Like was that his from name? Willy I don't know. Wonka? Yeah, who's the villain in Willy Wonka? The made up one in the movie. Lugworth. Slugworth. Oh, Slugworth. Oh, I was like I Cogsworth know. from Beauty and the Beast. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a, a living clock. Yep, wow. that's right. The ticking clock in this episode is the villain. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, uh, it's this, all of our villains, really. Yeah, that's this true. episode is a mess. Uh, yeah, and also this is like obviously going for like that Lafemme Nikita sort of spinoff, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like yeah, with, with her like, like dr- stripping in the beginning, in the and beginning, like which yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's like. It's so dumb. Yep, it is. It is so dumb. It is so so dumb. Yeah, it is so sexy. <laughs> okay. And she's constantly going back to that well of like, what mm-hmm. if I have sex with my problems, or pretend yeah. I will, and then use violence? Right. Oh, and we should mention Duncan is in this episode. Uh, yes. But and Fairly. and this one perhaps more than any, he is like 
in the way for sure. Like he's barely in, like, I don't know why he's in this at all. It's confusing. He's in it as like a random sex idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Sex idiot. Yeah. Like that happens at some point. Yeah. He gets, he gets tied up to a bed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's wanted for, she comes to find out and lets him go that she thought he was wanted for treason, but it was actually Mm -hmm. adultery. Right. And that's how we know that she, you know, is a bounty hunter with a heart of gold, right? That she has like, she she only wants the real bad guys. Not like, she's not just doing this for money or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And they do this weird master of disguise thing because she's like dressed as a nun at one point. <laughs> right. And then she's yeah. dressed up as like a stripper or not dressed up because she's, she's dressed up as a stripper, clothes. dressed up as a cop. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I never thought about this until now. I could I could at least see there being an angle here with her dressing up as stuff. Which is funny. Which is weird. Only because like if it was about like I know how to be speaking into the turtle club. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Turtle. Turtle, No, but like turtle. Like if she has to infiltrate places, uh like as far as this being like an actual spin-off, like if this continued, they could, I guess, lean into that and be like, well, the reason she can so uh, you know she's so adept at infiltrating places is because she's lived it. Like she has a thousand or 2000 years to draw from like, oh, I used to be a nun in a convent. So like I can slip right in there and I know all the the rituals. I know how to speak Latin. I could do this and that. Uh, And just like whatever, you know, she can draw on her life and that can be the parallels they use. There's something there, but that's not in this episode at all. So like, I can't give the episode credit for that. That's just me positing a better way to do this. Uh, You can give yourself credit for it though. Yeah, give yourself a pat on the back. I well, will. that's how they—that's how they could do the flashbacks because she could be like, "Oh, I have to—I have to be a prison warden this time." Like right. when I was uh, in prison, and I—I I don't know whatever. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I was a stripper in a former life. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or she knows how to get out of precarious situations because maybe it's happened to her before. Like all those sort of things. Like I'm breaking out my pasties. <laughs> <laughs> yep, vintage pasties, pasties from you know right now, 1890 or something. Are you? Yep. Great. Great. Every episode of Highlander Rewatched, I have pasties on. It's wonderful. I'm like, that's... You'll love to see it with tassels, I hope. Oh, you know it, baby. All right. All right. So this is the final spinoff episode. Episode number 10, Two of Hearts, not episode two. A lot of numbers in this season. How about that? Two of Sharks. Yep. <laughs> immortal Catherine's Village was decimated 700 years ago at the orders of another immortal. Now... Like her name is Catherine's Village. <laughs> <laughs> Now she and her mortal lover are finally in a position to take revenge. Uh, And I Uh, guess uh, maybe I'll read this email. Yes, you read it. All right, I'll read it. Revenge. Revenge. All right. The sword is sweet. (laughs) Revenge of the sword is sweet. Very good. Uh, This is uh, from Lisa F. Uh, I think this might be a a new uh, writer. Maybe she's written this once before. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, Hi, guys. I've loved going on this journey with you guys, and I'm sad that we're coming to uh, the end of the series. Usually, I agree with most of your thoughts about each episode, but I was sorry that none of you like Two of Hearts. I loved it at the time, and it's one of the few that's held up, in my opinion. Unlike a lot of the test episodes for spinoff characters, this was one that uh, one of the few that didn't wrap up uh, the character's entire arc. Catherine was chasing a villain she hated, but there was room for her to reveal other adversaries later. It also it didn't re- true of everybody though. Well, not of like uh, what's her name in Justice, I suppose. Why not? Why can't she have other adversaries later? Why would she? Ha- but like, I don't know. I just mean it's always true that because that's what this show does with Duncan, right? It's constantly revealing new adversaries that sure, Duncan has sure. revealed yet. Sure. <laughs> you know? Um, That's true. 
It also didn't reveal her origin, so there was room for an origin episode on the Raven if she landed the role. Fair. She didn't follow the strong female protagonist stereotype of being bland, perfect, and humorless. She had a long-term relationship that was solid, but had some tension built into it. And I loved watching her and Nick uh, move between snark, deep affection, and frustration. Their dynamic felt real. Catherine had a nuanced personality, and a lot of unanswered questions were built into her character design. 20 years later, I still think about that character and want to know more about her. Um, I also think you guys were harder on this episode than you usually are. For example, you kept coming back to the idea that it made no sense for them to take the job rescuing the mobster's daughter and then to turn down the payment. But Catherine clearly took the job because she wanted the info about Bartholomew. And they refused. What's that? That's fair. Yeah, I think so. Um, and they refuse payment because Nick says they don't want to create a working relationship with the crime lord. I can, I can, oh, Eamon's saying no. So they do no. create a working relationship with the crime lord. That's true. That's they, true. They, As we they find out later, later right? with the bolognese. <laughs> how, how dare you point out our inconsistencies? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. No, that, that's a good point about the uh, taking that job just to get that info. Uh, yeah. I think that makes yes. sense, right? Yeah. It does. Um, Let's see. Then later in the episode, they uh, they do have to go back to him for payment because their guns are confiscated, which ties that earlier pot plot thread into the main story. By contrast, in the previous episode, Deadly Exposure, you complain because the mobster who gets killed in the first scene has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the episode. That's true. Like at least that like character comes back and like there's an introduction and there's a uh, there's motivation and payoff, all that sort of stuff. That's good. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry we couldn't agree on this episode. I'm sorry, Tulis. No, I'm just kidding. We, uh, need, a, we need a mediation to sort this out. Uh, but I can't I wait do. to hear what you think of the last three episodes of the series. Be well, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, no, Lisa. this is a this is a good ep- uh, a good uh, good email, and I think you're right to point out maybe uh, us being a little harsh. Uh, although I'm still not like crazy on this episode, uh, but maybe we were a little harsher than we should have been. I agree that this has the best character-driven core of any of the spinoffs. Like, yeah. Whatever they're doing with the the two main characters works, and yeah. like you can see how it would work, continue to work in a spinoff. Like, and it has like a it's like an interesting mirrored relationship to the Duncan Tess story. Right, right. That you know they're both people of action. They're both in it together. Right. Um, and it's like a you know it's flips kind of the script on its head in a way that's satisfying. I think. Yeah. I do I suppose. It, oh, good, Eamon. Yeah. I was just gonna say. I think it's just weird. Like, there's no, there's no, aside from the overall concept of Immortals, there's no like link to the show we've been watching for six seasons. Like, Duncan's not in this at all, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, none of our characters. It's just weird. It's like I don't want to see this. That that's how I kind of why I didn't like it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm. Just, I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Good. No, just yeah. I'm certainly curious to, like, I am not familiar with the Raven at all. Uh, I I know I've said that before. I could barely tell you anything that happens. We should change the show's name to Highlander Watch for that. Right. Uh, But, like, these two characters are obviously that sort of archetype, right? That uh, they're even named, I mean, the character's name in this is Nick, and I believe that is the other protagonist in the Raven. I believe Um, so. And he's like a cop. Like I, I get the dynamic, but I think it's it's still at some point I'm left wondering how is this too different than Tessa and Duncan? Like I feel like the arguments are going to be similar. And even at the end of Two of Hearts, isn't doesn't what's her name Catherine? Is like I have to handle this alone. This is like my fight. And I'm like, well, this is this seems just more like Duncan Duncan Tess thing, uh, except with like it's uh, you know the genders are swapped or something. Uh, 
but the yeah. difference being nick is actually there for it he saw he deals with the goons oh that's right he does he, like that's in right. some ways frees her up to have this duel with that, that's right Bar-Rong. okay so that's better like I, I and i do appreciate like that he does take action like where tess often yeah. feels like the you know the damsel in distress and like that sort of thing and that can get a little tired and it's an old trope that is not really i don't know too welcomed anymore i don't certainly welcome it too much but uh yeah, yeah. and like in some ways his arc is like learning that he needs to let her like take the lead on this stuff like that this really is her fight and right. like he needs to at the, the pivotal moment not act um i don't know yeah like there's there's something here that works uh, the other rest of the episode is like but right, right. and also much like deadly exposure at least they have like they are mercenaries or whatever like it's like okay i get it like they can take jobs from week to week yeah. uh and that's fine uh um, it won't have the the weird shoehorn nature of like max cop adventures that came up so often early in the show it's like why is any of this happening why is mac like getting inserted into this like right these people have a reason that they are actively inserting themselves or being inserted into those kinds of stories if that's what they want to do right and similar to uh is it season three or two with um uh mccormick who was hunting carl like at least like that was right. thought of as, as a possible spinoff even mm-hmm. back then and like at least he's an FBI agent. Like we get the the the, the push of the show. Like yeah. he travels around the country investigating murders, and like it's like cool. I can sink my teeth into that. So all right. So that is all the spinoffs. So we got Sins of the Father, Patient Number Seven, Justice, Deadly Exposure, and Two of Parts. Uh, let's talk about like, do, are there any characters that we liked, or act, or maybe we should say actresses that we thought were like standout? So we've got uh, Dara uh, Tamanovich as Alex Raven, Alice Evans as Kira. Justina Vale as Katya, Sandra Hess as Regan Cole, and Claudia Christian as Catherine. Let's Are any of them Katya. like just compelling on their own? Uh, you know, I, I do think that the the two of hearts, both actors did a good job in that. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of based on performances and like the the way they delivered on the the ongoing character motivation, I'd say that's the most compelling of the five on that grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'd agree with that. I liked uh, Dara as Alex Raven. Like, I mean, I think, you know, while that's not, I think, a particularly great episode all around, like, she did feel like a badass. Like, if she, if they made her the star of a show, like, I could see her carrying a series on her own. Like, yeah. And uh, I, I, part of me wonders, in part, if some of that is because it came first. Everything else feels like an impersonation of that. Right, right. I wonder if that gets, like, almost locked in our minds as the, the prototype. Mm-hmm. in some ways because and the fact that it's called her name is alex raven and we know the show they made is called raven like in some way like crystallizes that as like the er spinoff in some way i don't know right yeah regan call is a big zero right there. <laughs> yeah regan cole regan cole katia well, <laughs> no bad and for for each of you, Worst which one. which is the episode that would you would have liked to have seen turn into a series? If if I had to pick one, it's either Patient Number Seven or Two of Hearts, and I think I maybe give it to Patient Number Seven just because it has the most opportunity to be completely different. Cool. I'm I'm like I'm feeling good about this, man. Like so many people talk about these spinoffs, and I feel like Patient Number Seven doesn't get like the credit it deserves for like having really a great foundation. Uh oh, he's got a knife. Whoa, what? 
He's gonna do some violence on us. Wow. It's shit number seven. Oh, I love that knife. I have that knife, by the way. That's a Ooh. great, uh, it's a French utility knife. Yep, open now, savoir France. Yeah. They're fantastic. It's um, a good knife. It is great. We're talking knives now. They're like tiny swords. Uh, they are Highlander. That's right, Highlander. Uh, no, I I think patient number seven is my absolute favorite. Uh, I think the actress does a great job, uh, but I think the the notion that like she is building, it feels. I don't necessarily want to see just Highlander two, not Highlander two, the movie, but like moral questions week to week. Like I think the the show did a fantastic job of tackling a ton of like Talmudic questions. Uh, but at some point, like it kind of runs its course. Like how many of these questions can we answer in this format uh, without kind of repeating ourselves or getting repetitive? Like, but she, her, that spinoff to me seems to represent something different. And it's maybe not moral questions in the same way Duncan has to deal with them, but it is like, who am I as a person? And for her to have amnesia and have to like, cobbled together what her she's gonna be uh also i think it's really significant that like, i think it's, i think it's interesting that you carved out questions of identity from moral questions which is perhaps a premise i would push back on but oh interesting you, yeah i i think i mean i i don't think they're i don't think they're equivalent but i think they they they're good hooks for a show like i think I they're, that, they're 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 similar enough like they're questions about like how we live and like those sort of things uh Sure. Yeah. I just, the, the only reason I mentioned it was just because I think one way of looking at moral questions is the fundamental, you know, might be reducible to what should I do mm -hmm. is like the fundamental moral question. And how dependent is the answer to that question on who am I? What do I want? Sure. And what have I already done? Um, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I think it it's worthwhile, even if they wanted to explore moral questions, because now there is a new avenue into those things exactly fresh right um so i think that's anyway. a really cool thing and also i think it's significant like we didn't talk about it at the time too much uh but like a lot of these characters have k names which is interesting uh yeah. and i think that's cool also for like it's like is this character going to be a hero or a villain uh i don't know she gets to decide that uh in a way which is cool yeah and they're uh, all kind of have like this anti-hero bent like yep. they're more they are perhaps more violent or mm -hmm. more ready to solve problems with violence than than Duncan, who oh, is a notably violent character, but I mean, like, yeah, well, he's a he's a killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, he's a killing machine. Yeah. Um, Duncan. Duncan. Did you have a favorite Ammon? Um, I would say. <laughs> you know, these are hard. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, great. Boo. <laughs> That's a fail. You're that fail. first person on every internet thread when you're asking for advice, what's the best X? And they were like, oh, it's a matter of opinion. Fuck you. Everyone. <laughs> what's the best X? What's that? Huh? Oh, like what's the best one? What's the best insert thing here? Like, uh... oh, well, the best one is the best one for you. It's like, okay, thanks, Carl. Everyone knew that. <laughs> I would say Sins of the Father. Yeah. And. Well, I'm just like looking at my ratings and I'm like, uh. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think Sins of the Father could be interesting. Uh, it's not necessarily pre present in the episode, but like, I like that we were talking about that, like, she like lived in the ghetto, like she experienced this and gets to maybe right or wrong later. Like, I like maybe if they continued that thread that perhaps she has always dealt with adverse scenarios and like, you know what I mean? Like mm. that could be part of her past is having 
a real troubled backstory uh, full of strife and war. And like, that's something very different than Duncan's life, I think. Um, and that might lead her to want to act in a very righteous way uh, or something today. Um, yeah. And I think that that might catapult the series. But again, we're we're not really given like much like justice. Like she is in the in the episode, she has a single goal, which is like we have to return this stolen Nazi money. And in justice, it's the same deal. Like I have to get this guy who murdered my daughter. And it's like, well, what's after that? Um, and I think she I think she has more. Uh, there's more bones in uh, Sins of the Father for exploring what's after that for her. Perhaps I don't know. Could be. Wow, that's our uh, that's our spinoff roundup. Are we ready to, to 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 close this all out? Season six. Okay, so now it brings us to our plot story episodes, the ones that matter. Such or... as they are. Right. Uh, so let's talk about them. So there's only four. Uh, the you know the start and stop of the season, as it were. Um, so first one is episode one, Avatar. The episode description reads, Ariman continues to torment Duncan by killing mortals. He reanimates his latest victim to serve him, threatening to kill her brother if she does not cooperate. Uh, and for this one, I've got an email I'm gonna read. Uh, and this is from David G. And this is kind of a miscellaneous uh, email, but mentions the, the, uh, these episodes. So uh, he says, hi fellas, hope this email finds you well. First things first, you asked why we'd see cast members in the opening credits and never in the episode itself. I don't think we asked why. I think we were just like, this is shit that they're doing it to us. Uh, yeah, fair but, enough. If he's got uh, but he explains it. why, um, which is this happens quite a bit in shows uh, with larger casts like Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a con contractual guarantee that makes your cast available for shooting whether or not they appear uh, in the show. The actor is paid even if they don't appear on the show. It's good money for not working, but the actor remains on call, like a holding fee. Right. Which... Uh, I totally get, and I know why actors do it. I don't understand why the show didn't take advantage of that. Um, it's Yeah, like, thinking Star Trek The Next Generation, great example, with a great supporting cast. You know, that's a show that very much so, like, episodes will generally revolve around one or two people, or, like, Picard and one other character. Right. It's, like, a fairly common structure for that show. But they all get a turn. It's not like there's only they're only in one episode. Right. Yeah. That's that's the biggest here. problem. Is like it's not like this is evenly distributed. It's like they just never appear, and it's a big Don't tease. Appear. Right. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, David, for clarifying that. Um, and he says, "I have loved learning about you guys." Keith plays the clarinet, majored in music and cooks. Kyle loves history. Eamon's an artist. What other forms of unemployment do you enjoy? <laughs> oh, philosophy. That's a big one. Oh, all right. That's the Talk ultimate to... unemployed. For, that was my undergrad major. It's the ultimate unemployable major. Sure. Mm. It's some fun stuff. What do you like about philosophy, Kyle? Why don't you tell us about it? I, I, I love about it. Some of the same things I love about the show Highlander. You get to grapple with uh, some big questions and sometimes try to figure out how they interface with your life. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the big branches of philosophy, which I never thought would be particularly relevant to my day-to-day -day life, is epistemology. It's the study of what do we know, how do we, and how do we come to know things. Yep. I think it's safe to say that one way of contextualizing 2021, and especially in the United States, is yeah. an epistemic crisis yep. of you know everyone, especially as an electorate, grappling with what do we know, how, what is knowledge, and how does one come to have an informed opinion, uh, an informed view as to what they know about the state of the world? Yep. It would seem to me that a, a failure of that philosophical question perhaps explains much of our current setting. So 
that's my <laughs> plug for philosophy and philosophical study. Yeah. You never know when a philosophical question might actually come to dominate your entire year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and philosophy, uh, I mean, I think it's often treated as a, it's like some esoteric thing that, you know, like it it matters how we live. Like I, like you said, this is what the show's about. Like uh, Highlander is a perfect example of why philosophy matters. Like why it's important to think about a thing uh, before you maybe make a decision about it, so. Hmm. Hmm. Eamon, what do you uh what, what do you like to do unemployment wise? Uh let's see. I last year dabbled in in organizing op- uh stand-up comedy shows. Yeah. Uh, this would be a rough year for that. <laughs> yes. Um so that was very stressful but fun sometimes. Uh and I tried to do my own stand-up which had mixed results but you know it was great i i enjoyed coming to as many shows as i could and it was a lot of fun i i i look are you are you planning on doing it more in the future or the the venue that i did it the person uh doesn't work there anymore now so i have no idea okay but i'll try i'll try yeah i don't don't know i look forward to doing it it was it was always nice and it was great it was a great way to for us to all connect too like uh, a lot of us would all see each other there which was yeah yeah what were you saying kyle I was saying, fortunately, unfortunately, you've got some time to figure out the answer to that question. Yeah, I do. (laughs) For good or ill. Keith, your unemployment turn. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I I like playing video games, which is a thing that, like, I've always liked doing, but, like, just hadn't done it in a very long time, really. Um, And it's it's kind of been a thing I I try to be intentional about it. Like, ooh, I'm gonna this Saturday I'm devoting three hours to playing a video game, and I'm gonna have fun doing it. Uh, So that's been good. Um, Also, a thing that's like kind of developed more recently um, has been like I really like getting art. (laughs) Um, Like that's a thing I don't know. It's a thing I've always wanted to do when I was younger, and obviously there's like. I don't know, financial limitations on, you know, types of art you can buy and the size and scale. And I have a very small apartment, uh, so, you know, I can only uh, fit so much, but it's, I like uh, getting friends art. Like Eamon, your art is like all over the place here. Um, And I don't know, I like supporting uh, my friends and just like, I don't know, art is a, a thing that's really great. And I like being surrounded by like, stuff that makes like is a constant reminder of whatever uh yeah. it's, it's really good so it's i don't know stuff. that's like beca- starting to become a hobby of mine uh it's like getting more into art so nice a, a patron of the arts a patron of the arts yeah. right well, we've avoided talking about this the fucking disaster that started this season off long enough oh that's well we didn't actually finish this email from david oh, there you go oh. no because uh it, he shits on me so it's okay uh he says miracle on 34th street looks like keith scrooge abedidi <laughs> jeez scrooge abedidi and i can't even say my own name scrooge begidian uh, yeah <laughs> scrooge scrooge beady and there we go completely missed go. the point of the movie the old man is santa it's yes. the world that stopped believing. I don't know about that. I th- that's my that's the rub for me is I think the movie posits he isn't Santa. That's that's my Ooh. thing. Yeah. yeah. I I think I think that's that's some scant postmodern shit right there. We should we should watch that maybe next Christmas or something. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, Highlander Christmas. Highlander Christmas. Uh, yes, I know. If you think about it for five minutes, the movie collapses under its own logic. Why does every adult know there isn't a Santa uh, as they buy, uh, as they fucking buy toys at Gimbal's and other stores <laughs> for their children, as directed by Santa himself? Uh, but the old man is Santa. You think that crazy dude owns a home that looks like just just like the one the late Natalie Wood dreamed about? Kyle, where's the heart of your yours that's clearly three sizes too small? Mm. 
Wait, what? What did I do? I don't know. Directed at you. Maybe it's supposed to be me, but maybe it right. I'm so sorry. Uh, and yeah, I get it. I get it's a fun Christmas movie. I, you know, whatever. Uh, all right. And uh, finally, as good as the to be, not to be episodes, they were fine. Uh, not a bad way to end something without really ending it, I guess. Uh, always good to see you. And I always love me some tests. So thank you, Dave. Uh, talking yes, about thank the, you. The wrap up. Uh, so, all right. But we're talking about Avatar here, the, the season kickoff. Uh, so we gave this twos the across the board. Bender. Yes, the plot bender. That's good. All right, twos across the board. What do we think of Avatar? What a like shitty way to start this. Season. <laughs> yeah, and like in preparation for this, I went back over trying to refresh my memory on these these episodes, and I just can't believe what a nonsensical detour the plot of this episode is about like him resurrecting people that Duncan has no connection to. Why? If you wanted to resurrect someone you had a connection to, I can think of one. Yep. His name is fucking Richie. And it was <laughs> the, the, the apex of the last season. Like, uh. yeah. these weird, two weird characters we don't care about. And like the, the, the episode, like for the season opener, this is insane. Like, it is insane. Insane. If you if this was the first episode you watched of Highlander, you would be really confused or just have a completely different notion about what this show's about. Also, once these two episodes are over, you, you would be you like would have turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if you were into it, even if you were like, I kind of dig this supernatural weird show. Yeah, the show Supernatural's been on for 50 seasons. So. <laughs> right. But like two episodes later, you're gonna be like, Oh, this is an entirely different show now. I don't I, I'm no longer into what I liked about the first two episodes. So yeah, weird tonal shift. Uh, I don't, I don't like this. But I guess they painted themselves into a corner, which might be uh, as a, a tried and true Highlander tradition. <laughs> so See, mm -hmm. my problem is they didn't paint themselves into this corner. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I agree that the way they set this up, you know, they only have so many angles out. But it did not have to be this. This right. was purely voluntary. Like this was for some reason the best they could come up with. And I don't know why. Like, I yeah. just look at this and think that, like, everyone involved is smarter than this episode. Yeah. Uh, also, what's weird is, like, trying to remember the difference between, uh, what's the, the finale called in season five? Whatever it is. Who knows? Oh, uh, right. Uh... Whatever. The finale of that. Like, Ariman's character feels in some way different. Like, Ariman affects the physical world in this episode. And I think we talked about that a lot. Like, wait, is he driving the car? Like there's a car crash. Like, like you said, he resurrects a person, like, but they're a real person that like tangibly interacts with the world. I want to say in the finale, like Archangel all, is Archangel. Like it's all yeah. psychological. Like he, right. some, or, or maybe we were actually having trouble in that episode too. Or was that this one? When, when does the person's uh, apartment get set on fire? That's in, or is that in Archangel? Oh, yeah, okay. that's like the, the 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 professor or whatever, right? The professor's daughter, daughter or granddaughter. Yeah. Granddaughter or something. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I wish it was more psychological and not physical. Like I feel like that the the making it physical, like resurrecting the dead, perhaps is a bridge too far for Highlander. Like again, I, I can I want to believe in some fantastical elements to the world, but not like more and more and more. Uh but if it all existed just in people's heads, I think I could get behind that. Uh, mm. And again, that has like good mythology well, to it. Like it's all about Duncan conquering like his own inner demons or something like well, that can speak to the audience in some way. Well, that's ultimately what happens, right? Right. Is like the ultimate conflict is what you describe. Mm -hmm. But it, it feels like it should not be that way if this is a physical creature. Right. Like the, <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> if this is a physical creature, 
it, it doesn't seem consistent to me that the final battle should take place in the battlefield of Duncan's mind. Like, that doesn't make sense if it's a tangible existing entity. Right. And then we've talked, of course, how that is all abandoned two episodes later when he picks up a sword <clears throat> and becomes a murder machine again. Yeah. <laughs> this is just nothing mattered. There was no change. There was no transformation. Nope. It's like, okay, let's forget we did that <laughs> as fast as we possibly can. Right. All right. Well, uh, let, let us forget it and move right on to episode two. Uh, Armaged we can't forget it yet. <laughs> no, Armageddon. The IMDb description reads, Duncan may have found a key, the key to defeating the demon, but will, will he have the courage to use it? What? <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. The key to defeating the demon. The key to defeating the demon. All right, so I have another email to read here. Uh, this is from uh, Jim S. And so this is another uh, one that does not have to do with this episode, really, right? No, this does not have to do with this episode. And uh, Jim sent this to us uh, just the other week. Um, and this is kind of instead of uh, a voicemail, uh, as, instead of the montage. But <clears throat> he has some good sentiments in here, and I thought it'd be good to read. And also, like, uh, I should mention now, like, because uh, as many of you probably noticed, a lot of uh, the people that write us emails are the same people over and over again. And we're always happy when new people write us. Uh, but I, I do want to thank everybody that's like written us continually over like the years. Like, that's really cool that you've like kept that up. And I know we don't always necessarily read all the emails on the show or even honestly, like are able to respond to all of them, uh, you know, in uh, via email. Um, but we really we do read every single one. And we appreciate everyone that's kind of stuck with us and like kept up these communications. And it's cool that we have this like, you know, pen pal relationship now. Uh, podcast pen pals. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. love it. The PPP. Um, all right. He says, boys, I'm not much for leaving messages on voicemail, but I do enjoy writing long-winded emails. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was very young when the Highlander movie came out and actually saw it in the theater on the first day it came out. It's not that difficult for teenagers to sneak into R-rated movies in Detroit. Anyway, in 1992, I had just moved home after college. I got a job and lived near its location, and my parents suggested that I live at home to save money. Since they lived in a very nice neighborhood in a very nice house, much better than anything I could afford, I said yes. This had another advantage in that I could live rent-free, meal provided, and save money and actually pay off my car and my student loans. It took me three years, but when I finally moved out a couple of years later, I was debt-free. Which is how I was able to afford okay. Well, which is how I was still dealing with student loan. That's right. Um, but he says, this is how I was able to afford buying all six seasons of the Highlander tapes and how I got into uh, all that Highlander merchandise I sent you. I was also able to afford uh, winning the charity auction for a set visit. That's right. He wrote us about, um, was it, uh, it's the one with um, Sandra Bernhardt. Yeah, the what's it called? The sort of the McClouds episode. Yes, which is great. And and uh, Jim wrote us a whole email about that, which was really fun. Um, that is so, great. He says, I was and probably remain a geek and enjoy genre fiction, but Star Trek was done to death and getting in on Highlander from the beginning and watching the first season of the show made me feel like I got into the ground floor of something new. But the two episodes that really sold me were Band of Brothers and For Tomorrow We Die. Darius was a great character, and the way he pointed out that helping humanity should mean more than just killing for the good guys struck me as very interesting. It was an action show that actually questioned the morality of the action shows. It dis uh, disputed violence and raised questions. Um, I also like, during Duncan's kata, that he showed fear and said to himself, why do I think living a good life will protect me from danger? Duncan is really accepting that the fact of being right or moral or decent won't keep him alive. Then the fight. 
Duncan won by luck as much as anything else. Then the villain smiles before he's decapitated. I saw uh, James Horan speak at the Highlander 98 convention uh, at Disneyland, uh, where everyone showed up, including Roger Daltrey. Horan was asked uh, about that. Why did he smile? He said that he thought of all those vampire movies he saw as a kid, where the vampire is about to die and expresses relief that this eternal life, this cursed life, was about to end. So for Horan, Grayson was the uh, glad to... Uh, bleh, sorry. So for Horan, Grayson was glad that he fi was finally beat. I guess hating Darius for 1,400 years was an unsatisfying way to kill time. Uh, that's some pretty deep acting for a guest star appearance in a weekly syndicated TV show that was in its first year. Well done, sir. I agree. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, in the Xavier St. Cloud episode, Tessa asked Darius, uh, Tessa asked why Darius listened to Xavier's confession and would violate the seal of the confessional. Duncan said that's because it's the rules, and Darius believes that if he wants to help people, he has to do it by the rules of humanity. Duncan pointed out courts let guilty people get away with crimes all the time. And did Tess want to do away with the courts? Let's just say my mind was blown. This is certainly like really like when I, I remember having those moments, like when you're first presented with some sort of question that makes you like, I don't know, you were just talking about epistemology, Kyle. Like when it makes you question, like, why do I, why do I think this thing is true that I believe? Like suddenly you've got to investigate it uh, if you want the answer, uh, which is cool. And it's cool that have like shows like this gave you those moments, right? Mm -hmm. um, he says this theme was later brought up in Undercolor of Authority. Mako was an unpleasant person, and during that episode's podcast, one of you guys pointed out that uh, 1993 Mako seemed to be a diminished version of himself, but he was still not a villain. It was this episode that brought me to your podcast. This is cool, I think. Um, yeah, I was watching Better Call Saul, and Jonathan Banks was doing his usual great job. So I decided to Google him and stumbled across your podcast. Um, mm. I listened to it and said to uh, said to myself, these guys get it. They like the action and the premise, but they really like the moral questions. It was uh, it was that that made Highlander the series stand out. Um, I also pre pre appreciate your use of literary devices. One of you pointed out that the good uh, the girl in this episode could be an unreliable narrator, but we don't know. Uh, you also compare uh, that to Star Trek: The ne Next Generation. Jean-Luc Picard is a self-righteous bore. Uh, he never he's never faced with a no-win scenario. Rather, he's faced with politically correct puzzles that had a correct solution, uh, or um, it's just one thought hard enough and was self-righteous enough. Oh, if one just th thought hard enough and was self-righteous enough. I don't know about that, but <laughs> um, Duncan and friends. Well, he can, he can definitely be self-righteous. I yes. don't agree with the, the the premise that all of those are puzzles you can just think your way out. Of. Right. But. Totally. Um, I also appreciate how for all its, um, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped this section. Uh, Duncan and his friends faced hard challenges with no right way out. Sometimes they did the right thing and people died. Sometimes they made the wrong choices and killed the wrong person, but Duncan kept fighting. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, I also appreciate how for all its flaws and shakedown glitches, the first season really did build the world and show us Duncan's life. We meet his two greatest mentors, Connor and Darius, his two best friends, Fitz and Amanda, and one of his greatest enemies, Xavier St. Cloud. All these characters would return again and again because they're great characters. I don't know if Roland Gift's, uh, Gift can actually act, but he played the hell out of Xavier. Um, if that is the height of his acting career, well done, sir. Roger Daltrey is part of The Who. They're a busy band, and the fact that Highlander was able to keep getting him to return says something about the quality of the show and Daltrey's just plain good-natured desire to have fun as an actor. Yeah. Um, you brought many great observations uh, of the show to your podcast. I appreciate when you called out Duncan's behavior. In Manhunt, you pointed out that Duncan yelling at Carl for killing the slave masters that killed him 
when he was a newbie immortal was harsh, especially given the fact that Duncan had done similar things in his life after Duncan had been educated and became a learned man. Uh, then there's Mythos. What a great character. The way he pushed McLeod's buttons and the way he mentored Duncan uh, was so different than anything I've seen before. What a great addition to the show. But enough is enough. Highlander was an action-adventure show that, uh, that dared to ask tough questions and show its heroes in all their humanity, good and bad. Plus, the sword fights ruled and the costumes and sets, especially in France, were terrific. Uh, what they did on a small budget is something to be praised. In fact, I'd say the show looked better than Endgame the movie. It did, for Ooh, sure. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the podcast, and I look forward to hearing uh, what you have to say. Jim S. Thanks, Thank Jim. This dear. is a great email. I think you really yeah. encapsulated a lot of... Uh, the things that a lot of us like about the show, including I think most of us here. So, yeah, truth, yeah, absolutely, good stuff. Uh, so we're talking about Armageddon. <laughs> no, do we have to? Uh, yeah, where he found the key to defeating the demon. So by Wait. talking to a suicidal priest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do actually like the scene where Joe gets tempted by the legs. That's great. That's a standout That's a scene. scene. Yeah. But again, both of these scenes, like the suicidal priest and Joe, again don't rely on him having any kind of tangible presence really mm -hmm. it's like a temp it's like a temptation kind of story right it does not have to be mirrored with the actual action of giving him legs for instance right right uh side note but anyway uh, yeah, what an unsatisfying resolution to to all of this. Yeah, uh, Kyle and I gave this a one, uh, and Amy, you gave this a two. So yeah, this was this was a rough this one. This was twice as good as we did. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I, I I think Jim Burns's performance gave this like a whole star. Um, uh, you know what? If, if that's the reasoning, I will sign on. Yeah, and uh, you you sold me. You can give yeah. it a two. And I kind of liked, I kind of liked the Duncan like fighting the or not fighting the 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 demon at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, I like the notion just... of him not fighting the demon. I don't like necessarily yeah. how it was portrayed, like with the like a beach ball and a little person yeah. that was like yep. doing a yeah, Twin Peaks a, sort of thing. It's and... a weird Twin Peaks thing. Yeah, Twin Peaks, just weird. And like, I don't care about Father Buford. Like, why are they bringing these like characters we don't give a shit about? And right, never come that's back? baffling. And like, I don't get it. Yeah, that's why the temptation of Joe is so palpable because like we yeah. know Joe, we know the struggles he's faced. We know how he lost his legs. Like we know all these different things about the character. And so it's really emotionally impactful when he tempts him with legs. But Buford, I mean, while we can maybe be like, okay, I get it. Like I have no investment in that character. Uh, so yeah. If only <laughs> there was a host of other supporting characters in the credits of this show. <laughs> who could have participated in this resolution. Mm -hmm. Ah, guess not. <laughs> oh, well. Like who? No. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. That's, what a miss. There's just a, 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 such a whiff on so many levels and just some baffle, just truly baffling decision-making. Like yep. the, the portrayal of like the little person as Aramon, baffling. Yep. Just truly astonishingly weird decision. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the two finales. Uh, episode 12, 2B. When Amanda and Joe are captured by immortal Liam O'Rourke, Duncan surrenders himself to save their lives, but a gunfight leaves him in a netherworld where he never lived with Fitz as his guide. Uh, so who wants to read this reader mail? Number nine. I'll jump Number on nine. this page. All right. Number nine. Number uh, nine. <laughs> nine. Uh, nine. 
so this is titled as subject uh, season six as an audition for the Raven. So I'm going to suspect that this doesn't have a lot to do with 2B. But yes, you're correct. We're, we're reading it here for convenience. There's another one from Lisa F. So thank you, Lisa, for writing again. Thank you, Lisa. It says, loving your co coverage of se season six's many, many flaws and occasional gems. I remember how excited I was by the thought of the that the next Highlander se series was going to star a woman and how disappointed I was when the woman's storylines made it clear that the writers and directors weren't used to thinking of women as full characters. Damn. That's, uh, that's a real haymaker right there, Lisa, that at least these... Uh, these pilot episodes don't uh, don't prove you wrong. Certainly, I'm curious to see what the Raven ends up looking like, and uh, be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember at the time, my friends and I debated what might be a good plot and cast for the spinoff series. I made the case for a Watcher spinoff, where Joe tries to weed out Horton's remaining followers and make the Watchers a functional organization again. Lots like of opportunities. Yeah, lots of opportunities for betrayal and conspiracy as well as action. We could have Joe and Mythos as the core cast, plus Watcher trainees and immortals who discover the Watchers and start hunting them, and Mythos agonizing over which side he's on. That's enough material. There's enough material there for multiple season arcs. I like That's that a lot. Cool idea. I yeah. know I was critical uh, a few episodes ago. I was talking about indiscretions. Like, what is the what's the show there? Yeah. I, I I love Lisa's idea. I think this is like that's a, a really good way to get those two characters together and go somewhere with it. So yeah, have a have a plot there in yeah. the heart of it. Especially you could even marry that with what you were saying, Keith. Well, like now all of a sudden Joe's daughter is on the Mythos Chronicle. Right. So, like, they are trying to dodge Joe's daughter because they right. don't want to tell her that he's the real deal. And also and it, be interesting, she's a new watcher, so maybe she could go either way in this. Yeah. Like she's starting to see like maybe some maybe she starts seeing all these bad immortals and say like maybe they're not too good. I I might join the Horton crew here. So, yeah, there's 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 really good potential in this idea. I love it. Yeah. Maybe she discovers me ooh, maybe she discovers both who Mythos is and then discovers his crimes and that pushes her to the dark side. All right. Ooh. Anyway. Ooh, love it. And then Mythos or That's then good. Joe's against his own daughter. Love that too. We these it's, things need more conflict. Yeah. Drama. Also, in response to your question of why call it Raven, remember in the late 90s, the other hot non-vampire immortal franchise was The Crow. Calling the Highlander spin-off The Raven may have been a way to evoke The Crow's edgy vibe without risking copyright infringement. Yeah. I think that's really interesting uh, to think about. Yeah. I just added that to like my HBO Max queue because I haven't seen The Crow probably since 2003. So we'll see. Anyway, Jim <laughs> uh, Omar. Thanks for taking us on this long, strange journey through the Highlander universe. I can't wait to see where you take us next. Be well, Lisa. Well, we can tell you where we're taking you next. It's the Highlander Endgame and then the Raven, but we'll see. <laughs> That's right. So uh, to B, we gave uh, threes across the board to this episode. So let's talk about it. What do we think of this, you know, this uh, It's a Wonderful Life sort of idea? It's kind of like uh, if you're eating like McDonald's every day and then you like get a chance to go to Chili's and it's like, it's not great, but it's like better than what we've been being given. Sure. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and I think, I, I feel like if anything, my rating on this episode gets adjusted down slightly. Mm -hmm. I guess I know a fair amount of this episode is set up. 
And our kind of thought was like, well, in some ways, the quality of this is dependent on the next episode and whether they stick the landing. My sense from our conversation about the next episode is stick the landing, they do not. Uh, <laughs> right. It just, you know, there's just a, a thematically broken core to the whole thing coupled with a lot of missed opportunities left and right for actual drama and stakes mm -hmm. so you know it feels like a miss to me and mm -hmm. like i don't know i guess the the whole it's a wonderful life thing is okay but it's like it's not like it's something we haven't seen before so sure if they, I were, think gonna take, if they were gonna take the time to do it it needed to be good and it's I mean, I, part of me appreciate, appreciates the idea of like, it's not a clip show necessarily. Like a lot of finales mm -hmm. will will do that. Like this seems like a good, uh-oh, we're going to take a break real quick because can you guys hear this fire truck <laughs> or no? Wow, All very right. loud fire truck. Maybe we're not taking a break. All right, we're plowing through. They're done. Maybe the fire's out. Anyway, uh, no, like I, I like the notion of like getting to see these characters, but again, but it's not a clip show. Like it is at least new material. Um, I agree with that. There's something to that I the the crux of this though like we saw in the episode forgive us our trespasses like mac is at a low point and he thinks i deserve to die for mm -hmm. what i've done like i don't feel like i wish the the villain in this o'rourke like had a tinge more of that to him like mm -hmm. this the, the character never like mac well, seems to be put in this no-win situation where he just feels like oh, i can't save my friend so i'm just gonna let myself die and it's like, well, I guess that's kind of noble, but like Mac is someone who also tries, like he does, I don't know, it just doesn't even feel like he tries. Uh, yeah, and I, I wish he was depressed or something and like was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, right. So it just doesn't feel true. Also, it, it's weird compared to like Armageddon and whatever the other one's called, uh, Avatar, that like Mac seems to have some clarity. Like Mac figures out like, this is who I am. This is what it means to be a good person. Like it's a those episodes are supposed to be psychological at least like for him uh and then like the turn here is that like oh, i'm just gonna let myself die like what was the point of my whole life and it's like what what did you meditate about man like i don't know uh so it just doesn't really like i get what they're going for but it doesn't really feel true to the character uh the way it's set up so no right. well that's the thing there's no setup for why he may be contemplating death mm -hmm. uh su such that it makes it impossible for him to experience growth Mm -hmm. as part of it this almost makes more sense as like the season opener you know what i mean like mm. yeah because he's like Ooh. that is his low point yeah, yeah. We, and that's the thing we don't actually really see him in his low point his low right. point happens off screen between seasons like we only meet him after he is like righted the ship and has come back right yeah like that we didn't talk about that before but structurally that's a feels like a big miss right like right, that's right. a big missed opportunity yeah it's like the most dramatic point of this character potentially the most dramatic point of his entire life mm -hmm. happens off camera right a 400 yep. year life and this might be the most emotionally heightened experience he's ever had and we don't get to see it right yeah yeah you're right it's a good, good. Point. <laughs> <laughs> i mean their hands were tied what were they gonna do like their star was leaving yeah like, totally I, I i get it but yeah. it's just like it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it is good to see Fitz to again. Like Fitz yeah. and Duncan, like that helps so much. Uh, it really does. And it's and it's again, it's a shame that we just like the other characters, like Mythos and Amanda. Like we don't really get to see Mac and them interact. Like so, it just a lot of it just feels like a letdown. Like we've been waiting for these characters to come back, and the moment they do come back, they're all like fallen versions of themselves. Like it doesn't feel very heartwarming 
that when they get all together or something. I don't know. It's just it just feels empty. Uh, Max's only interaction with Mythos is to murder him. Right. Yeah. Yes. So like it's not the kind of reunion that one might hope for. Right. Maven <laughs> just shaking his head. All right. Well, let's talk about it. The very last one, episode 13, episode 118, I think. Uh oh. not to be. Um, Duncan's tour of the Duncanless world <laughs> continues with Tessa, who it's is living in <laughs> an empty married life uh, and other friends who are living equally sad lives. Uh, <laughs> do you want to read the final email on this one? I, hang on. I think okay. last time we read this, we all got hung up on the, the Duncanless world part and just the, the declaration that Tess is leaving a sad live, the assertion that seems to be false yes. that Tess is living a sad life. Let's just point out that this thing goes on deposit that his other friends are leaving equally sad lives. Amanda is dead. Joe <laughs> is borderline a, a borderline homeless alcoholic. Richie is dead. Mythos is evil. And that's like equally sad. To, <laughs> right. I'm not an artist anymore. <laughs> yes, you're right. Good point. Wild. <laughs> Jesus. Uh... Oh, we wanna, how about we divide this uh, last one up? How about Kyle and Eamon? You can read. Uh, how about uh, Eamon? Do you want to read the first part of it on to be and not to be? And then Kyle, do you want to read the gathering revisited portion of the email? Sure. sure. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, this is a long one. <laughs> so this is from Chip M. This is really two emails. Chip M. Chip M. Chip Hi, guys. Rescue Rangers. Chip M. Dale. <laughs> Rescue Rangers. Hi, guys. I can't believe we're coming to the end of the series. You guys have been great to listen to, and it's been fun revisiting the series with you. Thank you. Series finale, to be and not to be. The two big topics I'd like to discuss for these episodes that you all mentioned in your podcast are Duncan's resigned attitude and the wonderful life trope. Originally, I was re-watching the series with your podcast episodes, but I can consecutively got further ahead as you all did the movies breaks and conventions so i finished my rewatch of the series about two years ago <laughs> jesus christ that you, and you I, didn't stop for two months while we gave yeah. you each episode of our highlander one coverage of a yeah. two-hour movie <laughs> <laughs> i'm relying on my memory for this you all mentioned that duncan's attitude was not justified especially because the scene starts out and it, with an earth-shattering level, that's where Duncan and Amanda are boning. Yeah. Yep. And way out of the ordinary. But I simply thought that because her work was cheating and Duncan didn't want Amanda and Joe to die, he decided to accept that it was finally his time. Not suicidal or depressed, just simply a no-win scenario. But is every hostage situation kind of a no-win scenario? And there have been dozens of those throughout the season. Like That's true. Well, my thought was dispelled when you all pointed out that Mac had a chance to finish her work during the episode, so I'm not so sure anymore if Mac was or wasn't resigned to die. Also, I think the sex scene in the beginning was a reminder of Mac and Amanda's strong attraction because they hadn't been in any episodes this season together. That's a really good point, I think, yeah. just to remind yeah. the audience, like, by the way, these characters, like, love each other or something. Right. Definitely clunky and setting an odd tone for this episode, but that may have been the reason for the choice. It's a Wonderful Life. This is one of my least favorite movies because the premise is completely incorrect and invalid. <laughs> the movie and how it's used in these episodes is based on the premise of the main character never having lived, 
but what actually should be shown is how everyone's lives would be affected because of the main character dying. That is what would be true and real. I could easily see all the things they show for Joe and Amanda happening because of their guilt and depression over Max's death. You all even talked about not understanding what would cause Joe to be so despondent. But if it was after Max's death, it would be a very logical progression. Tessa wouldn't be in this if the premise worked that way, however. Also on the original premise of Duncan never existing, I thought having Fitz show Mac around could backfire because in a sense, Duncan was responsible for Hugh's death as Callus killed him during his revenge plot against McLeod. Yeah, mm. I, I like that. I, I do kind of wish that the, you know, it's a very kind of rosy look at Mac's life because I mean, the, the premise of the show is like, hey, like, look, you did, you helped all these people. But you're right that there's this undercurrent of like, wait, but Mac, you did get your friend Fitz killed. Well, he doesn't get him killed, but like Mac has also done bad things. And like, it's it's interesting in a show that deals so much with the the gray area that here at the end, it's like, no, Mac, like you're important. And it's like very like you're a positive force, but like doesn't. I wish it maybe dealt with that gray that like you have done good things and bad things, but guess what? You can live on to go do more good things tomorrow. Like mm. that to me is a more nuanced version of this uh, that I can get behind. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's well, interesting. And I think the only reason, and this still comes back to this fatal flaw with the whole thing of like, why is Mac giving up his life? The only reason to show only the positive things is as an engine of persuasion, right? right. But it doesn't really feel ever like there's something to persuade him about. Yeah. Because we never understand his motivation in the first instance. So totally. Anyway. Yeah. Should I read the second bad boy? Let's do, do it. it. <clears throat> the gathering revisited. Ooh. During your episode, looking back on the gathering with the context of the whole series, you all rightly pointed out that the idea of the gathering is never brought up again. I think the main reason for this is TV back then was almost completely episodic, and having an overarching theme for a season, let alone several seasons, wasn't really used until Star Trek Deep Space Nine and other shows Ooh. in the late 90s. What was Twin Peaks? Uh, 90, 90 and 91, so hmm. I think. So yeah, I don't know. Twin Peaks is there. Yeah. If this show were made today, you could easily have a seven-year buildup of something like The Gathering. A while back, you all asked for listeners' version of what a new reboot would encompass. And I remember kind of thinking along those lines. Highlander, the season series, did have a few great story arcs for Callus and Horton, though. That's true. And I think looking back on it, Cal like the Callus cycle altogether is like among the best. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh... Sorry, I accidentally hit page up somehow. Toward the end uh, of the episode, Keith brought up a question about Duncan leaving Tessa and going to the island. Uh, wondering if Duncan was leaving to protect Tessa or so he didn't get hurt again if she was killed. To me, it was definitely the former. In this episode, Duncan believes the gathering is beginning. Unlike during his first 400 years when encounters with other immortals might randomly happen, Immortals would now be actively drawn together to fight, placing Tessa directly in harm's way. Then the show doesn't pursue or state anything about the gathering again, making that emotional issue of the plot null and void. Fair. Yeah. 
Lastly, I've completely forgotten about the flashback of Duncan's tribe being slaughtered in this episode, but knew it was a later episode where he beheads the villain with a weird weapon and during a quickening sees his wife Little Deer in the sky. Mm -hmm. After a little digging, I found it. Uh, they they reused the flashback in Line of Fire with Randall Tex Cobb, but cut Connor from his version. On a random note, I've become a father since your podcast started and now find it very difficult to watch or read things where kids die. Interesting. Congratulations. Uh, And sorry. (laughs) Even though they don't show Kahani after the village is destroyed, I resonated with Duncan much more than I did the last time I saw this. Anyway, thanks for all the hard work you put into the podcast. I look forward to Endgame, which is my favorite of the movies, probably because it was the first one I ever watched. Interesting hot take. Yeah. I don't Mm. think we're going to agree with you. I look forward (laughs) to discussing it. And my first viewing of The Raven will be with your episodes. Awesome. First two. So it'll be great. Yeah. All right. Episode 13. It's the end of the road. Uh, Kyle and I gave this 2.5s. Amy, you gave it a three. Let's talk about it. Does it stick? Well, you mentioned it. Does it stick to landing? No. Tell us more. Oh, I don't know. I felt like I said my piece on the first one. Sure. Okay. Like it just doesn't stick the landing. And it asks, and it just like, it misses a bunch of opportunities. The, the main set piece in this, I suppose, is that you get Tess, it's that you get to see Richie again and that you get to see Tess again. Like those are the, that's really what this is premised around. But both of them just strike me as kind of implausible plots that are missed opportunities, mm-hmm. especially the extent to which they, you want us to feel sorrow for Tess. Right. When she has a perfectly good life with children where she is notably not dead. She is triumphantly alive and <laughs> what the most people would consider a wonderful life. Right. And then yeah. it's and then it, it's it, like even in that episode description, it's like, well, what a bummer, how fucking sad and pathetic she is. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, no thanks. Yeah. Right. Like Tess was was kidnapped and then freed, and then as soon as she's freed, she's murdered yep. in in the Duncan full world. Like. <laughs> Oh, but I'm she like, made hideous art during yeah, that. Period. She, she had passion. Oh, I'm like, hey, in this current world, she can divorce her shitty husband. And, if she wants to. Yeah. He and seems like, okay. Yeah. Like, and she's two lovely children, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, maybe if they showed, like, the children are really shitty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, whose fault is that then? Yeah. Then it's, that's Tessa's fault. Right. Like, but, I uh, mean, she's got a role in that. Yeah. It's sure. just weird. It's just yeah. weird. And then the thing we talked about where Duncan doesn't interact with Richie and Richie's like the catalyst of this whole yeah. like, season. Like Duncan killing Richie is supposed to be like the thing. Yep. And they, and they don't even interact. It's yeah. like that's bad. Duncan's moment for like at least in the for the audience too, like to tell him he loves him, to tell him he's sorry. Richie won't even know what he's talking about, tell him but anything. like tell him something. Yeah, like we I wanted that for sure. Uh one thing that struck me about the rewatch of this episode was that like the montage at the end, which I like. I like like the uh, Bonnie Portmore is very pretty. Uh of course we hear it in this show like four hundred million times. Uh, but it's a great song and it's nice, it's nice to have a, a montage here at the end. I think it's you know sentimental. Like watching it this time i was like whoa this comes out of the blue like they leave the weird sewer they're in or wherever they are and then like suddenly they're just on max barge and they're like joe's like it's good to know you mac and then just yeah. like pow and it's just like into this montage and i'm like 
whoa like what? i did not it, it it felt like it like hit me over the head uh like it yeah. wasn't it didn't feel natural at all that like the show ended in in this way um and i i almost wish like duncan said something like some some bit of philosophy or something like why did duncan like give us like I don't know. I, I almost wish the show summarized what what it's all about or something. Like let Duncan say like, "Hey, like it's not about like maybe I did these things in the past, but it's always about moving forward." And like and then we can launch into a a you know, a montage about like, "Oh, well what has his life been and how did it make Mac the person he is?" Or I don't know. It just, it felt just a little empty at the end. Uh I mean, it just felt like there's a montage stuck on at the end of the the show, so. Yeah. It's weird. And like <laughs> Not even like a, not even a real goodbye. Like we don't, yeah. It's just these weird clips of like, well, Duncan. Oh, good to know you, baby. There's something I did want to mention that were it was in my notes uh, that I don't think I mentioned when we talked about this episode. I want to mention it now. Um, I remember we talked about like, well, what what is like the messaging of this episode? Like, you know, he tells Amanda, I guess at the end, like, I'm never gonna. Does he say like, I'm never gonna leave you or something? And I don't know. He tells her he, he loves says he her. He loves her. Yeah. There, there is a very strange. I understand where the visual comes from and why they picked it, but in some weird ways, the visual is at odds with the storytelling. At the end of this, they decide to mirror the opening credits where Duncan emerges from the mist and like slashes at the screen, which is fucking cool. Uh, they're like, let's have Duncan walk away into the mist, and I'm like, what, what is this shot telling me about the character? He has literally just told Amanda, "I will never leave you." And then we see him walk away into the night. Like to me, that shot is all about like kind of the adventure continues, right? Like we have seen this part of Mac's life and he is he's going off to whatever. Or I mean, like there's another way to interpret things like that, which is like Field of Dreams fucking style, right? Where like I am, yeah. it's like Dun Duncan is over. Like it's a, a spiritual passing of this character in some way. And that could be a physical death or not, I don't know. Uh, the show could leave that maybe a little bit more nebulous, but like right. I did feel like there's a weird. If you think about what that shot means, uh, it's at odds at what what with what the show's saying. I think. Hmm. Yeah. So I, that's I, a weird thing. I I was under the impression that this episode would end by him like walking in, into the mist and like like he's lost or something, mm. but it's more like because the episode he's like never again. Like I won't. I won't I get what we thought he was saying was like I won't like give up ever again. Right, whatever. right. So I'm I'm yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a little mixed message. Yeah. And also I mean I feel like endings like that where like a character just leaves, like we don't know what their adventures are, are are fairly satisfying because like the adventure continues in our minds and then you know, like that's okay. Uh and like right. they don't kill the character at the end. It doesn't feel finite. It just feels like, you know, they're off. Uh I don't know. It's like Star Trek. Like we gotta like you know, going to warp speed and we're going to have more adventures. Like the, the mm -hmm. even though the show's over, like the characters live on. Right. Right. I mean, plenty of movies do that or shows or books or whatever. So that's it. That's the end of it. Uh, so, but we're going to reserve, like, I don't know. We'll talk next week, I guess, more about like what our emotional reaction is just to the whole series, uh, mm -hmm. which is obviously a lot more positive than what we had to say about season six. Because uh, right. we did this podcast, we've been doing this podcast for five years, and it's because we love the show. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's sometimes weird to talk about this uh, in an in like a negative way because season six was a little bit of a disappointment uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, so next week we'll get more into like 
what we love about the whole show in general. Uh, but we can talk about some like highlights of this season or lowlights. So on average, the best episode of this season was episode seven, Unusual Suspects, which got an average score of 4.2 from us. Uh, wow. That that crushes, like, I think the next highest average is a three, so. <laughs> yes, right. Very interesting. And the lowest scored episode this season, I believe, is just yeah. deadly, deadly, deadly exposure, exposure 1.2 average score wow Damn. narrowly narrowly edges out armageddon at 1.3 yeah which how about that in some ways armageddon is a more offensive episode right sure if, if not a with a higher production value yeah and and on average the this whole season received a 2.3 from us if we add up all our scores so Wow. Obviously, it did not fare well compared to some of the other <laughs> episodes. That's not how you want to go out. No. Nope. It's like if every episode of Star Trek The, ne the Next Generation was the episode where Dr. Crusher fucks that Irish ghost. <laughs> 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 it's kind of like that, honestly. I'm going to have to watch this episode. That's right. It's An it's Irish ghost? It's, it's important that you know that it's a Celtic ghost. Weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. So, I don't know. The this season woof. I mean, it's fun that we got to see all our all our castmates again. Yes, I feel like that's barely. that's yeah. the highlight. Yeah. But it is. Like ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Well, we can't wait. Uh next week we'll be back to talk about uh the whole the whole run of Island of the series and what it's meant to us um and we'll we'll be presenting our uh kind of voices of highlander montage uh which will be pretty cool i'm excited to uh put that out there i hope it it, it meant a lot to me listening to all the, the voicemails and again everyone that took the time to submit them uh many many thanks uh, and again a lot of people that submitted them have been following us for years and uh that is much appreciated yeah thank you guys yeah so uh i guess that's it for this episode right it sure is. All right. So, yeah. and again, uh, we do want to mention that, you know, we all are remembering Stan today and we hope everybody takes a minute to reflect. Uh, and, you know, um, if Islander has taught us anything, it teaches us to reflect, I think. Uh, yeah. It teaches us a lot of stuff, but that's one that's one part of it. So we can all take a moment to do that uh, in these times we're living in. So um, and anyway. everybody be safe. <laughs> that's right. Be safe out there. Uh, very, yes. very safe. <laughs> so we've been your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. Happy Bye. New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Bye. <laughs> Welcome to the Highlander Rewatch Podcast. Podcast for each and every week when we talk about another... Yep. It's been a minute, but it hasn't been that long. <laughs> Each and every week, we talk about a different facet of the I'll Highlander. Start, I'll universe. start over. That was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs>